I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Hi, and welcome to the Three Broom Chicks. I'm Jenny. I'm Marianne. And I'm Elizabeth. And today, we're talking about bay culture. Not and just friends. friends. Yes, I was about to say, not just bay culture. We are talking about all of the marauders. Wow. Masters, Mooney, Wormtail, Badfoot, and Prunks. <laughs> I really thought one of you was going to join me there, but uh, I guess not. No, we, we're, I feel like we're, a lot of this episode, we're just going to give it to you, Jenny. Like, this is your episode. Your, oh, yeah. Your birthday, by the time this episode is out, just ah! passed. Wow. So old. But as I'm a recording, you're... <laughs> No. <laughs> Happy birthday, Jenny. Thank you. Yeah. As we're recording, your birthday's only three days away. Ah! Wow. I'm so excited. Yeah. Because I'm going to, like, eat pizza. And that's it. That's what I'm doing that's for my it. birthday. That's what Woo! Doing. Oh, okay. are you going to do the bacon pineapple pizza? Yes. Wow. Oh, yes. yes. Everyone, if you have not tried this combo, Jenny you're introduced welcome. me to this combo. <laughs> and I mean, okay. if you're not, like, a pineapple lover on pizza, like, you just First can't. of all, you're wrong. Everybody loves pineapple on pizza. It's a well-known scientific uh, fact. I don't know. Be quiet, Marianne. You loved it that night. I did. I still do. I'm a I... big proponent of the pineapple pizza. Yes, but not everybody loves it. I don't care. With the hashtag facts. <laughs> the hashtag facts. <laughs> but anyway, Everyone should love it. You're welcome. Bacon pineapple. If you haven't done it, try it. Yeah. Do Me it. and Raul have literally said we are not eating a pizza any other way. Oh I have literally changed your lives. Yep. This is not the first time I've done it. I force people to try pineapple pizza and then they see my way. But it has the to do right with the bacon way. though. Yes. It has I don't to do with the like bacon. ham on the pizza. So I yeah. substituted it once in college for bacon. Changed my whole life. Brilliant. Thank you, Domino's. <laughs> Anyways, should we go back to Harry Potter? Sure, I Maybe. guess. <laughs> Find out what's the next pizza on our pizza podcast. On our pizza podcast. We have like seven different podcasts. <laughs> it's fine. Look out for them. So I'm really excited about today. Wow. Super excited. I'm super I had no excited idea. about this episode. <laughs> I'm like really happy about it. But while writing this episode, remember when we had a conversation and you guys were like, I think you like Sirius Black more than you like Ron Weasley? Yeah. Uh-huh. Hashtag confirmed. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sure that when we do the Weasley episode, Ooh. I'm going to tell you I like Ron more. It's fine. <laughs> Just- but... Just flip a coin every day. That's literally how I wake up. I wake up and I say, who do I like more today? Boom, flip a coin. Today, it's Sirius Black. I think for the past month, it's been Sirius Black. Yeah, pretty much. When we first started the podcast, (laughs) it it was was Ron. Ron. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get back to it. It'll come full circle. Yeah, it makes sense. All right. Oh, my God. Hydrangea. That's our owl. (laughs) (laughs) Our owl post is here. Yeah. Thank you again to everyone who has submitted questions on our social medias. If you want to be featured on one of our episodes, but Ooh. you can submit a question. We usually post a question box on Instagram. Our social medias. Yeah. And it's usually posted either the day of or the day before we record. Yep. So just, just look out. Remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just when we remember. So look out for it. We record normally on Tuesdays or Wednesday. So look out. And then maybe we'll answer your question. Maybe we'll shout you out. Yeah. All right. So the first one. All right. The first question is how old were they when they made the map? From at Jojo Bean. Wow. Um, so the answer is 
We don't know. Uh, what? Woo! I went through the literature. Really? Yeah. I would also like to rescind a past rant that we had. We complained a lot about Pottermore being gone and there yes. being no information on their Wizarding World. Well, while they listen to our podcast, yeah, they brought some of that information back. So but not all be, of it. No, not it's all not all of it. it. But it seems to be like slowly trickling onto the website. Thank there is still goodness. no search feature, but you can Google stuff and then scroll down because it's not even the first website that comes up. And you can find it sometimes like that. Wow. But, I, you know, I got down and dirty for you guys to wow. find this information today. <laughs> All right. But, yeah. So, so the best that we have is that the creation of the map started um, in 1974 Ooh. and was finished between 1975 and 1978. Now, those are dates given to us by, like, the Wikia fandom for Harry Potter yeah. or whatever. Um, but from we what can, I can. have been able to gather from like actual literature and Pottermore and JK stuff is that Sirius and James guess that Lupin is a werewolf in their second year. Okay. After that, they decide to become an Imagi. So that would have been like the school year of 72, 73. They were supposedly an Imagi exploring the castle by their fifth year, which would have been the 75, 76 school year. And we know that the map was confiscated and obviously already made by the 77-78 school year. Okay. Can, <laughs> can we take a moment? I have issues. Oh. Issues already. Not, no, no. Not, ish, not issue issues. I was about to say, I have issues with about half of the Marauders. <laughs> Actually, no. Three quarters of the Marauders I have issues with. Like, them themselves. Interesting. Like, I have issues with some of their personality traits. Oh, man, we're going to get into a fight <laughs> because I feel like Lupin is not one of the people that you have a problem with. Nope. Yeah, we're going to have a fight tonight. <laughs> well, okay, actually, never mind. I have issues with four out of the four. Okay. Wow. I actually, I have issues with four out of the four as well. Yeah. But anyways, I will like to commend them for being smart people. Yeah. I was supposed yeah. to say this smart map A is, people. Yeah. Like, first of all, to become unregistered animagi when they're still students which is not only hard but super illegal yes and then to also create this map that keeps track of every human being that steps foot into hogwarts and keeps track of their whereabouts like yes what magic is this like even even humans that weren't even born yet will still appear on this exactly map. like it's an always updating map like it's amazing yeah and it keeps their personality we're going to get more into the map later, yes, but... we will. We will. Mind, Mind blown. blown. <laughs> All right. So our next question. Yes. My favorite question Ooh. from Christina. If you were an animagus, what would you be? Wait. Animagus or animagus? Animagus. I think it's animagus, but also I have pronunciation issues. Well, sometimes they say like animagi... I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I've always know. said animagus. Me too. All right. Animagus. <laughs> um, what would you be? Ooh. I don't know. Um, I have a pin here. You have a pin here? You have yeah, a pin? I, I wrote pin in it. Pin, pin in it. it. Oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> You're welcome. We're getting better but at I this. Kinda, yeah. I don't know why I put a pin here. Like, I think we can just talk about it. Okay. Yeah, let's just talk about it. So Jenny. We just, it was so, a pin. It was a quick pin. We it was a quick pin. Quit. We're unpinning it. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to kind of give like a background on what an animat just, animagus. animagus is. 
Uh, but the learning process to become an Animagus is complex. And this is all coming from the wizarding world previously posted on Pottermore. Woo. Uh, but as you might imagine, you can't just become an Animagus overnight. The learning process involves holding the leaf of a mandrake in your mouth for an entire month. Okay. For example. What? <laughs> yes. Wait. Which is, you didn't know this before? Uh, no. Oh, I knew this before. I did not. Okay. That must be so gross. It is. By like day two. <laughs> I mean, whatever, bro. Like, you're becoming an animal. You got to make but some like, sacrifices. Like, you have a wand. Do you, do you brush your teeth? This is literally, this is the third conversation I have about this. This is all three first questions are how do they brush their teeth? <laughs> I swear. Yeah. I swear. <laughs> uh, my response is always, like, they have a wand. Like, you can probably just, like, point it and be like, teeth. Teeth, though. <laughs> and that's it. Boom, it's clean. <laughs> but, like, doesn't it? Oh, my God. It must taste so bad. Does it not, like, dissolve? Like, it's a leaf. They don't just like dissolve. They but decompose it, over time. It, oh, over a month. That, I know. That I, thing's so rotting. Is a thing. I know. I know. And but why, it's also like a magical plant, though. But why a mandrake? I have questions. Um, I don't know. But <laughs> the mandrake so or mandragora can be used <laughs> to unpetrify people. So there's that. Um, oh, but so you will have to refer the rest of your questions to somebody else. <laughs> Joe, I have questions. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, you cannot choose your animagus. What? Really? If you could choose it, like, you know, we'd all be, it says literally in the article, we'd all be lions, adorable puppies, or magnificent eagles. Uh, but realistically, an animagus is closely linked to your personality. So the brave and rebellious James Potter is famously a stag, whereas the conniving journalist Rita Skeeter is a beetle, which personal rant. I think that is a shame to say that because beetles are cool, <laughs> but whatever. I was going to say, I would have, I would have pegged her if it's going to be attached to personality and she doesn't really have a choice. I would have pegged her as like a fly. Yeah. Because she wants to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. So now that we know these things, what would you be? I think the people that know you should be the one that chooses because I guess like, ooh, yeah, it's, it's a very like yeah. I have a biased opinion of myself and maybe Same. like I don't see some qualities as high as other qualities, so I would probably change my animal. Yeah, and I, I at first when I saw the question, I was thinking something along the lines of like a dog or a wolf, and then it said adorable puppies, and even though like I would have been an adorable <laughs> puppy, I was like. Well, dang, that's not a good answer to that's have. That's not a good And answer. I mean, like, okay, let's start with Marianne. I do not see you as a dog. Really? Yeah, Why? I don't see you as a dog at all. I don't know. You're he, just not a dog. Well, I, as I before, I assumed it was something more of a, like, you got to choose. Nope. I, nope. Didn't, I didn't realize that it was not a choice. Um, because I was thinking more of the practical sense. A dog is a little bit more... Um, inconspicuous? Inconspicuous, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, why was everybody thinking about this in the practical sense? Yeah, because like you want to like change into your uh, animagi, animagi... Whatever. ...form. So you're not Whenever, noticed. so you're yeah. not noticed. That way you could just trot around your life as an animal if you want to. Not, yeah. That's not where my head was at. But then I... <laughs> that's I, where my head was at. I didn't think of like James, who's a stag. Like exactly. you can't just like trot about as a stag yeah or if you could but it would just be like what Super is this weird. deer doing in the middle if it's not that like environment that 
ecosystem. But I guess it's different too. Like he was wandering around like the Forbidden Forest. Exactly. Like, we're yeah, walking forest. down like a busy street. Yeah. 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 We're in suburbia. Like suburbia. And not even suburbia that does have. Okay, so like, wait. Deer so you thought back. that you were a dog. Me and Elizabeth. Or not, I wouldn't think I wouldn't consider myself a dog personality wise. Like that's just what I would choose to be. Oh, practicality wise. Okay, okay, that was still kind of close to a personality that I could have. But now if it's no practicality, I don't know. <laughs> I vote flamingo. Flamingo. You're a flamingo. A flamingo, why? That's just you. Yeah. Just it just embodies you. It just embodies me. I mean, I can kind of see it. So, okay, so people know Marianne. She goes into like these bouts where she works super, super hard and she yes. gets extremely focused. Like yeah. you cannot break her. So focus. much work. Like she won't leave work. <laughs> she she wouldn't even leave work tonight to come to this <laughs> podcast recording. Yeah. So like Marianne, when she gets in the mood to do work, like so she doesn't leave her yeah. school. Like most teachers leave at three o'clock, four o'clock. Marianne, Marianne leaves at like 9 p.m. Yeah. I binge work. Yeah. yeah. And then and you... Then she- Vegetate. And then I binge vegetate. <laughs> and that's what flamingos do. <laughs> There's a lot of working. You got to kick up the algae. You got to filter the algae. You got to eat the algae. You got to squawk and walk while you're doing all of this. Okay? Wow. So then you got to dance around okay. with your partner, build a little mud nest, okay. lay an egg, and then boom, you're sitting on the egg. Okay. I could see. I didn't know much about flamingos. This you're is why welcome. we have a zookeeper on the podcast. You're so welcome. <laughs> This is exactly why I need I'm you to here. help answering the question. All right, Elizabeth. Oh God. What was your first like gut? Like this is what I would be. I definitely thought I would be a form of cat. You are so not a cat. What is wrong with you guys? Again, we're thinking. At first, we were thinking practicality. No, I'm not even thinking like domestic cat. I thought I was just going to be like a cat, but not like the aloof cat that everyone thinks of. Like more like I don't know. I think that Elizabeth would definitely anything, be a lioness. Yeah, I was, was going to say that. a cat. Yeah, it is. So you were on the right track. Yeah. A lioness. But specifically, I don't, you couldn't be like a female tiger. Oh, I, I, I'm obsessed with tigers. Well, there you go. You can be a tiger. Boom. Done. I guess. Yeah. I would have said they're like more even of a lioness. More, but I feel like they're even like more. Um, what's I can't say ferocious? that word because it's a curse word. Ferocious. I was going to say like bad A. A? There you go. I guess we can say that. I was about to say, I just don't like the idea of being a lioness just because, unfortunately, in like a lion, what's the the pride? In a lion's pride. Come on, you've seen the Lion King. (laughs) You know, the the king of the pride has multiple wives, and that would not fly with me. Okay. I am a one woman only type of person. One woman only type of person. So it's like, uh uh. He, do other he, cats do that too? What do you mean? Do they like, like tigers are solitary? So the okay. males will come in, breed with the female. She takes care of cubs. Dad doesn't do anything. Bye. Peace, peace. So then, so maybe, I guess yeah. that's you. You're a single mom. I'm definitely not though. Everyone, me and Roll are still married. <laughs> oh my god. And Roll's a super good dad. I'm just saying, if you were a tiger, <laughs> that is what you would be. I'm sure everyone for a second like panicked. Like, did Elizabeth and Raul? Oh I don't God. think oh anybody God, no. panicked at all. <laughs> Everyone's like, stop. No. Okay. So Ship my it. initial reaction. Ooh. Adra Gazelle. 
Adra Which Gazelle. No one knows what that is. No. I'm thinking, Gazelle. I'm thinking of like the Gazelle voiced by Shakira in Zootopia. Oh no. my God, yes. No. <laughs> yes. Okay, they're like, they're like that, I guess. Okay. But they're like white bodied and they have like a red cape along their back. Ooh. They're very sassy. They have long legs and they're a herd animal and I literally don't do anything alone. <laughs> so that was my original position. I could see you in that. Um, what do you, hoofstock. I could see you in that stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yes, you it's know, also what you take care yeah. of. Yeah. Believe it or not, even though you're afraid of them, I see you as a horse. Why? Okay, first that's of all, that's so rude. Funny. <laughs> that <laughs> is rude. I don't like them. I have an irrational fear of horses. If you don't know me, they scare the bejesus out of me. But they're amazing I have animals. had to work so hard to work with zebras to overcome my irrational fear, but normal horses creep me out the most. That's crazy. Like zebras are one thing, but like that Palomino over there, like we're not doing it. Nope. No, no, negative. That is so like, honestly, personality wise, I think you and horses are like, why? Okay. Well, because I'm an evil creature. No, horses they aren't evil. Horses are not evil. They're so evil. No, No, they're they're not. not. Yes, they are. I don't like them. I once saw a horse on a beach when I was like six years old. I cried. Somebody was like riding them on the beach. I was on vacation. I cried. I was terrified because I could see Satan in its eyes. I don't trust them. Oh my God. This is an irrational fear. But for those of you who know horses' personalities and know how amazing and lovable and caring they are, that is Jenny. Nope. Honestly, I I think that I would be a cow. I just complimented the crap out of you and the entire time you're like nope i wasn't even listening to what you were saying i was like i'm not hearing the defense of the horse i said you were caring and lovable (laughs) thank you oh my god not to mention fiercely loyal you're welcome i am extremely loyal i will say that there's so much yelling there's so much (laughs) we're very passionate about the horses i'm I'm just like (laughs) i'm complimenting my best friend here and she's just like brushing me off I love you, Elizabeth. <laughs> okay, last question so we can actually get into this episode. <laughs> All right. This the, one is from Teamer Media. All right, so this question. Oof. I was mad about this question because it makes me think. Yeah, I know. She. This is the second time she makes us think. Teamer Media, what are you doing to us? What are you doing? <laughs> Her question. If James had lived and found out about Peter... What do you think he would have done? I think he would have killed him. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> However, I kind of want like two different scenarios. If okay, James found yeah. out mm-hmm. and Lily Lily, died. Lily survived oh. and Harry survived. Okay. Or James found out and Lily died and was left alone with That's Harry. That's very easy. If Lily if Lily died, he would have killed. Died. He yeah. Killed. If Lily's alive, he would have tried to kill, and Lily would have been like, put your wand away. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's how it would have gone. Probably. Yeah. All right. That was pretty quick. (laughs) All right, Team Romania, thanks. (laughs) Since we're all in agreement. It's because I had been thinking about it all day. (laughs) You're like, oh, my God. I'm like, how are we going to answer this? (sighs) All right. So. We're we moving into the Marauders. Wow. We're jumping in. I've literally been waiting for this episode the entire time we've been a podcast. Diving in. Ooh. Thank you. I don't know where that came from. From your soul. 
I'm actually mad though because we're diving in on the person that I'm so mad about all the time. I know, but my yes. justification for putting him first was that to we could get just get it out with. of the way. You know, we could just have a bad time. F him. And then we could have a sad time. Oh. <laughs> okay, guys, I'm sure we're going to put a warning. Uh, I most likely will cry. Are you serious? You get it? Because it's the wow. episode. My gosh. I'm so excited. I didn't mean to say that joke when I started, but it just happened. <laughs> so anyway, anyways, we are jumping in to the rat, the rat, Peter, Peter Pettigrew. Oh, well, uh, I did this for all four of them and I will say it for all four of them, even though we don't need to know it, but he's in Gryffindor. What? <laughs> he... This you is know, brand new okay. information. <laughs> I actually saw in Wizarding World the other day Ugh. that apparently Peter Pettigrew is a hat stall. Really? Probably because he should have been placed in Slytherin. Yeah. But he... A sorting hat. Him and McGonagall are the only, like, true confirmed hat stalls according, according to Wizarding World. <laughs> I miss Pottermore. Yes. I'm just going to say it. Wait, no, but that's... It's definitely Flitwick, too. Accord- That's straight from According to the article on wizardingworld.com. Is she going to do this thing where we change facts now? Oh, I my goodness. Don't know. Is Lavender Brown dead again? Yes. Who knows? <laughs> what, what's going on here? The art- what's happening? The article clearly stated that <laughs> it was Peter Pettigrew and Minerva McGonagall. My patience is wearing thin, Joe. I just saw a meme the other day where it's like... Minerva McGonagall, and these might be fake dates. I can't remember. But it was like, McGonagall was born in 1936, but like, how could you be a teacher in 1927? And I was like, great question, internet. <laughs> and then, uh, dot, 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 dot. We're yep. just waiting forever. Uh, whatever. <laughs> okay. But, but yes, yes, Peter Pettigrew. should have been in Slytherin. I think I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this is the only time that the sorting hat was wrong. Yeah. Probably, yeah. All right, thank you. Moving on. <laughs> so actually, what I found something really interesting. You guys know I really like researching names. So Peter Pettigrew, his last name, Pettigrew, like is Scottish of Norman origin, and it uh, probably back in the day was some sort of a nickname for a small man, and that's probably where the initial last name came from, and that's how it was created. But it's actually Old French, if you break it up, Petite. A pedigree means little. And then the second part, the grew, actually is another way of saying growth or the past participle of uh, to grow or increase. So how I took this is a that. little man grew. N- well, not just the little man. I think it is little growth as in little character development. Oh, oh you took it deep. That's yes. so much better. Isn't that cool? I love it. That's yeah, how I, I like took it. it, and I think that really just fits his. I love uh, when we do etymology. Yeah, I think it's really cool, and each of them might not be as like in depth as some of the others, but they all have something that's part of the trait. It's really nice. I like it. I just I it just makes me it. mad because like that means Joe researched every part of their name. I know. Yeah, man. that's insane. Insanity. Again, where did this time go? I don't know. I don't know. 
Like, I really don't I'm know. I'm just mad that she had time to, like, research this, but she can't tell us if, like, Lavender Brown is dead. <laughs> We're going to stay on this until it's hashtag confirmed. That's going to be, like, Since our point of contention one. for the podcast. Yeah. Like, our mission statement. Is Lavender Brown dead? dead. <laughs> so, his Marauder's ID. Ooh. Worm tail. That's yeah. surprising. He's there. a worm. And a tail. <laughs> okay. I wonder why his idea is that. <laughs> because his animagus yes. is a rat. He's a dirty rat. He's a filthy so, scoundrel. <laughs> I feel like when... Uh, is it a service to rats? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is a disservice to rats because rats are actually really sweet little creatures. They really are. They're so cute. Yeah, they actually really are. They're so super give me that sweet. Face, I've never come across a rat in my life. I knew oh. someone who had a pet rat. Oh, there you go. And like, they're actually really sweet. Scappas. But I, I don't know. I feel like when when the <laughs> boys were sitting down and, you know, forming their animagi and like they first turned, mm-hmm. you know, you have <laughs> this <laughs> basic, you have this beautiful stag, you <laughs> have this cute dog and a rat. Like... <laughs> I would have looked at him they and have been like, been. yeah, I know. I was about to say, like, you really, you really should know, like, he's a rat. He's a rat. I put that I mean, it was hella appropriate since he ratted on the Potters. I guess to, but, go, um, to go back on your point, they were teenage boys. They didn't know any better. Like they were. And now look you're doing a disservice to all teenage boys. But they. But I. I but from on. our history of what we know of James and Sirius, yeah. they were idiots. Yeah, yeah they're, they're not gonna. Dumb. And even then, if they might not think it that way, they might take it in the sense that, like, oh, you're a rat. That means you can go into all these little cool crevices and find out yeah. information for us. Yeah, because like, the rest of us are too big. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think they would have thought about. Jenny's just making faces. I am. I just really. I hate this guy. Yeah, no, yeah. He, he is the worst. So, obviously, he's disguised for a long time as Scabus, Ron's pet rat. Wow. But, uh, basically, after Hogwarts, they, like, stay friends with the Potters, all these people, whatever. But Peter Pettigrew in specific. And then the Dark Lord targets him after he has been made the secret keeper for the Potters' location. So, he kept the secret. I did not know this. Mm-hmm. I thought that he had kept the secret for like a nope. long time or whatever. No. One week. Yeah. One week. <laughs> okay. After they go into hiding, they died. And I'm so mad about it. Because that means like it's not like a week passed by and he told Voldemort. Like he obviously had to like plan stuff and like get his life together and head over to the house. So I'm like in literally less than seven days, you just outed these people. Yeah. And I hate him. I was going to put a pin here, but we're just going to pin it's a it. pin and then another pin. It. <laughs> a really quick one. Who chose Peter out of all the people in the world Sirius to be it was secret serious. keeper? It was supposed to be serious as a secret keeper. And then he was like, it's so obvious because I'm your best friend. Like you should pick this idiot that no one's going to think is a secret keeper because he's been our friend and we should trust him. And that's why he's all like, I as good as killed your parents, Harry, because he feels all that guilt and all that shame. And that's why I think he went to Azkaban, but we'll get there. But I'm that's I'm so mad at him. But it's not really his fault because, you know, like Peter did it. But they get a stick. There's like a whole list of people before Peter. But nobody would have expected Peter. So it really would have been the smart play had Peter kept his mouth shut. Yeah. If Peter was 
honestly, what should have happened was an unbreakable vow. Yep. Ooh. Yes. You literally well, have I mean, they to still, die. They still should have done the Fidelius charm. No. Because that's what keeps them hidden or whatever. But then after he was a secret keeper, they should, should have, have done, done an unbreakable, unbreakable vow. vow. Because Ugh. at the end, Peter Pettigrew didn't want to die. But, yes, that's his and, whole point. Yeah, but then imagine telling your friend you have to do an unbreakable vow. Like you not, then that just shows that you don't trust them. I would do it. I would do it. If but, Elizabeth asked me to do something and she was like, I need you to take the unbreakable vow. Like I need to be absolutely sure. I would give her my arm. That's but, like, that's like me with pinky swears. Like if I do, I do a, that too, if I do a pinky swear, I am following through because I truly yes. believe if you break a pinky swear, you're going to hell. But remember, I mean, you guys told me I was super loyal. Like if I give you my word, it's done. But what if Peter was just that like very insecure friend where it was like, I can't believe you would, I can't believe you would say that. Me and Elizabeth always have a problem with somebody and you're always looking at the best in them. Stop that. I'm not always looking at the best in them. I am just, I like to play all the options. She's devil's advocate. He's the worst. And I have to as well. I just, I think it's, part of my job that I have to do it with all the characters yeah, anyways true. it's true that it just it, but it's possible that that might have happened and that might have um give like that might have affected their decision to not do an unbreakable vow I don't know for if me, he was that needy like, friend if my friend was being like that then I would be like obviously something's up like that would have exactly. been my red flag exactly but these are also like, and also what, teenage like boys? as me not, no I mean they're like 21 they're 20 oh, yeah. they're still teenagers like well yeah I did not make good decisions at 21. I did. I did not. Uh, well, I met, well, no, I, I had a great 21st birthday. I met Lynn Manuel Miranda, Hamilton. Multi fandom. Multi So, <laughs> after he rots out the Potters, he frames Sirius. I, I, meh. and he also by the way like i feel like people like we know about it but we tend to glaze over like he killed 12 people yeah i think we definitely do glaze over that part everybody's like oh my god you frame serious which is bad but But like he killed killed 12 people people. like there's a reason why serious was surrounded by 12 bodies yes like what what was the reason for killing the 12 people again he just like I think he blew like a hole in the ground, and that whole thing caused people to die. And then he like went into the sewers with the rest of his little rat friends. F him. Yeah, mm. he didn't even really have to do it. No. Oh my god, I honestly I am like this close to cursing on this podcast, and it's like muggles too, and they blamed it on like a gas pipe exploding. Could you imagine? Oh. Also, why is Peter Pettigrew so quick to like cut off a body a body part? Because he's like that quick to save his life. It's like, like either like we die or I lose a pinky. We die or I lose my whole hand. <laughs> like that's true. He had mm-hmm. this is a trend. This is. Do you think that after he has like the metal hand when he transforms into a rat, does he have like a metal paw? Because <gasps> he was missing the the little toe. Yeah. Or he was missing the finger. Maybe. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't That'd know. We, cool. we never saw him as a rat after, after that. After that. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, Pettigrew is eventually outed by Black and Lupin at the Shrieking Shack and Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Marianne, you have something to say here. I just would like to say that even though that only happens in the movie, I think it's just a really nice thing that they did. Because sometimes, you know, I have to say, sometimes directors, when they do the movies and they're like coming from 
like book versions of themselves. Sometimes they'll take artistic liberties, and not all the artistic liberties are good options. AKA Half Blood Prince movie. Yes. Or did you put your name at the couple of the fire? You know, like stuff like that. It's not really the best. I'm literally, I'm not even going to speak. I just gave them a stare. I'm going to put my microphone down. It's, those are not the best of artistic liberties, but I think this was a really nice one just because um, in, the mov- in the movie of Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, they only find out about um, Peter Pettigrew still being alive because Harry ended up with the Marauder's Rap. M- mar- marauder's Rap. Rapping about the marauders. No, no, we're not doing this. I can see where this is going. It's not happening. Continue. Anyways, so Harry was the one that ended up with the marauders map. And then um, that obviously they created. And it was like, oh, I know Peter Pettigrew is dead, but. And then Remus was like, wait, what? And I just thought that was really cool because it comes full circle the marauders created the map they got the map taken away then the map ended up in the weasley twins and then they gave it back to harry and then harry saw peter and then harry was like ah and then remus took it away from him and then yeah thank you for giving us a full history Of the existence. A brief history of the Marauders map map. by Marianne Martin. (laughs) The circle. But I just think it was a really nice artistic liberty. So it was just a brief history. A brief history of the Marauders map by Marianne. (laughs) It's, (laughs) yes. Yep, that's it. All right. So afterwards, you know, Pettigrew flees from the Shrieking Shack and he goes and finds Lady V. You know, if you didn't listen to... I'm smiling into my microphone and I now realize that people can't hear that. (laughs) I love me some Lady V. Yes, if you did not tune in to our Riddle Me Voldemort series, part one and part two, we tell you that we like to affectionately call Voldemort Lady Lady V V. because he is sassy. (laughs) Yes. Anyways, he goes and he finds Lady V, his smoky vapor... Thing in Albania, and then he finds Bertha Jorkins, tortured her, gets her information, kills her. Bertha? Yeah. Yeah. So she's right. uh, quote unquote useless. Yeah. All right. R.I.P. Bertha. And then together, but not really together, because I th- I feel like it's all Voldemort's plan. You know, they just hatch plan to kill Harry and bring Voldemort back. Yeah. Wormtail's actually like, hey, bro, like. You know, maybe you should pick another dude. Yeah. And Voldemort's like, what's your problem, bro? Am I not good enough for you? And he has like a whole tantrum. But, but whatever. I, I feel like this is one of the only moments in which Wormtail was actually smart. Oh, really? I think he's smart the whole time. I think he's a piece of filth. But I think he's smart the whole time. I mean, the, he was I able mean, to survive a lot longer than some other characters. He, I, I mean, yeah. He was the last one to die. He wasn't dumb. He wasn't the last one he to die. He wasn't the last one to die. Oh, no, he wasn't. Okay, let's not go there, though, because I'm about to straight up cry. Uh, we're going to get there. We're going to put a pin in the crying. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Stop it. You are so unhealthy. <laughs> Check yourself. Okay, let's move on. All right. Emotions make me so uncomfortable. No, look, I'm about to cry right now. Wormtail kills so, Cedric Diggory. <laughs> so, anyways, going to the Goblet of Fire, after which... 
we skipped over it, but when Wormtail's in the Shrieking Shack, like Lupin and Sirius are like, let's come together. Like we're best bros. And Harry's like, idiots. Yeah. We need to clear your name. Like I want a godfather. So he owes Harry a life debt, which is like a thing in the wizarding world. Yeah. That I didn't write down. But I remember reading something about it. Yes, it is a thing. And that's why it comes back in book seven for Peter Pettigrew. Yes. So we do have to mention it. But yeah. So in Goblet of Fire, basically, he's like toting around like weird baby looking Lady V. They're in that house. They kill that dude. What's his name? Like Frank or something. And then he's got to be like milking the snake and feeding her venom to what's his face? Lady V. Ugh. But he's also, like, super grossed out by what he's looking at. Yeah. And basically, Lady V was like, what, you can't look at me anymore? Like, am I not pretty enough for you? And he's like, like actually, no. yeah. <laughs> when, so- you, when you said makeover, all I pictured was, like, a coming-of-age teen movie and Peter Pettigrew's. <laughs> but you did you but the voice in you your just notes, did. In your notes. I know. It's in yeah. my notes. I just haven't said it yet. But you you literally just did the teenage, like, Lady V voice of, like, are, you don't think I'm inviting anyone? And then you're like, no, honey, it's fine. Let's no, honey, get you fine. ready for he the ball. He basically, like, him putting all that stuff in that cauldron at the end of Goblet of Fire is, like, basically taking him to Sephora and being like, <laughs> we're going to get you, like, a good, like, full coverage foundation with some good SPF. I... <laughs> reading your notes today i was like i don't know again i had like the 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 same thought as marianne like the high the high school transformation montage man i just thought of the princess diaries oh my god yes (laughs) oh my (laughs) multi-fandom so uh basically in goblet of fire like wormtail is the one that actually kills cedric diggory which i never really like like i knew that he did it but i didn't really you know you didn't put two and two together until you get there but he actually like says the spell and kills him uh, but he's also the obviously the one that prepares everything for Lady V's makeover. And then he's like, he spends time living with Snape. And he's kind of like his servant. Thing. Yeah, I don't know what this is. He's basically just like servicing different members of like Lady V's entourage. So they're like, oh, do you need a dude to bring you some wine out of the cellar? I got just the dude. I feel like that's like such a demotion, though. Well, maybe you shouldn't be a rat. Well, yeah. But yeah. Okay. Also, I feel like Voldemort, I know he had no choice when Wormtail was really like the only one who went to go like find him and actually found him. But I feel like afterwards, like maybe, you know, members of the order didn't treat Voldemort the best because they're like, you ratted out your best friends and caused their death. So, you know, we're not going to trust you. So you're just going to serve us wine for the rest of your life. Good. I think that's what it was. Good. Yeah, good. I'm here for it. Because he's a piece of trash. Filth. So, <laughs> in book seven, when he tries to kill Harry in the cellar, uh, Harry reminds Pettigrew that he saved his life once. This causes Pettigrew to hesitate. I guess the weird hand that he now has from Lady V, like, senses the hesitation. And basically, like, the magical glove hand thingamabob kills him. It just, like, turns on him and kills him. So, yeah. I don't know. I wish that magic was, like, explained a yeah. little bit more. Yeah, like, I don't know if Voldemort made it so that the magic hand was, like, loyal to him. So, because it sensed, like, a disloyalty to Voldemort in that moment of hesitation. Like, it was is that just, why like, it tried to kill him? Rip heart out. Or that- is it the life debt magic? I don't know. 
I think it might have been something that Voldemort built in because mm-hmm. he knew what he Peter Pettigrew did. And he was scum. Yeah. Scum yeah. of the earth. I should have really gotten out like the synonym dictionary thing and been like thesaurus. That's what it is. Oh, my God. Oh, man. <laughs> should have broken out my thesaurus or like we should have just looked up trash and tried to use all those words for Peter Garbage. Garbage. Gaga. Phil. Gaga. That's him. <laughs> I can't believe, do you think if Voldemort had a choice of someone to help him in Albania and find him and, you know, give him his makeover, do you think he would have chosen Peter? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. not. No, I, I would have chosen Marty Crouch Jr. myself. Oh, well, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think actually, like, when you read The Goblet of Fire, you kind of get, like, that feeling of, like, Voldemort's kind of, like, you're my only choice right now. Like, well, I did not choose you. Yeah. yeah. And he has a quote, too. He says, your devotion is nothing more than cowardice. You would not be here if you had anywhere else to go. Yeah. So he knows what's up. Like, he's got Pettigrew's number. It's true. Wow. What's good that you mentioned that, too, is that it's worse because he did have a place to go. Exactly. Like, he did have friends who were, like, family to him, and he still let, like, his insecurities and fear guide him and his life. So it's yeah, just, which is funny because Lupin does that too. He just doesn't end up like Pettigrew. Yeah. Well, he does it in he does a different end way. Up like Pettigrew, but yeah, you know, because spoiler alert, <laughs> they're dead. This is an depressing episode because literally every character we're talking about dies. Yeah. yeah. Every single one. I I did text Marianne and Elizabeth today, and I was like, "Holy crap! Mm. I am so depressed right now." Yeah. Because they're really sad stories. But yeah. yeah, so we're moving on to the next Marauder. Wow. James Potter. Whoa. I He's wonder, a Gryffindor. I wonder, like, who who is James again? Like, no idea. Loser. What? He's a loser. He's not a loser. He's well, not he important to the story at all. No. He, <laughs> he doesn't think he's a loser. No, he definitely is. Is he not. related to that guy, Harry James Potter? Harry James? <laughs> I think so. I can't. Also, how conceited is it? I guess like a lot Don't of people say do that it. because literally my brother's middle name is James named after someone in the fam. <laughs> so don't go there. <laughs> Anyways. So I've got some etymology for James as well. Um, I actually like this one. Yeah. So it actually it. Uh, nothing actually stands out in his name like at all. Like his name is just very common. Um, but besides the fact that because it's very common, James and Potter are very popular names. I think that still says a lot. Why? Uh, because this was not only a character. <laughs> she just asked herself a question. Yeah. Oh, I do this all the time. It's fine. I love it. Ask all my students. But Why? anyways. Go. Um, so not only was this character, th- not only did this character think they were very popular, or at least they saw themselves that way. Um, but they essentially are the device to set their son up to be the most famous wizard of all time. This is actually so, cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I, like, I like where your brain went with this. I think I it's think pretty cool. You. I just really like that he thinks he is like the best of the best and he's like the most basic. He d- Exactly. Yeah, he I is love pretty, it. I mean, again, he's not that basic. He's super smart. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, but you know but what But his name is very common, popular yeah, name. Like that yeah, that basic. Yeah, yeah. Yes. His name is Basic AF. Mm-hmm. Ooh, we're so trendy here. We're related <laughs> to all the millennials. <laughs> so his Marauder's ID is bronze. Ooh. His Animagus. Yes. Yes. Is a stag. 
I just think that's so cool. And he has a pure blood wizard, and he's got some money in the bank because, like, it's like old family money. Yeah, I've actually got some fun facts about that. Give them to me, girl. So, we've first got a relative named Linfred. I'm going to name my daughter that. No way. <laughs> well, Linfred was a vague, and this is an actual quote, a quote, not coat. <laughs> quote. Marianne can't speak today. I cannot <laughs> at all. Um, so but Linfred was a vague and absent-minded fellow whose muggle neighbors often called upon his medicinal services. Medicinal. Medicinal, sorry. I don't know how to say things. Um, <laughs> it was these medicinal services. Did I say that right? No? <laughs> no. no. I tried. Give me a gold star for trying. Gold star. Gold star. Well, they had these services, including <laughs> Skelligro. We know Skelligro. Yes, we do. And Pepper Potion. And that were the beginnings of the Potter family fortune. But Is that it, like the Pepper Up Potion? Uh, yes, I think so. But it didn't end there. What? So then after that, we've got Fleamont Potter. So he's going to my son that. Yes. <laughs> so he's the one that quadrupled the money. He was the creator of Sleek Easy's Hair Potion, a beauty product which would later become a favorite of witches, including... Hermione, Hermione Granger. Granger. Oh, I missed the memo. Oh, man. <laughs> so Fleamont uh, sold the company at a vast profit when he retired. And now all that money was then given to his son, James Potter. Woo. Put in a vault. 713. Yeah. Aw. I just like that the number is also 713 because it's 7-3. And my birthday is March 7th. Thank you. So, <laughs> James was a chaser. Yes. For the Quidditch team. But, like, but what did oops. the movie do? Like, yeah, I don't know why this, again, artistic liberties maybe. Um, but the in the movies, apparently, James Potter is a seeker. Yeah, it's on the plaque. And then Hermione's like, look. It's in your blood. It's I in your blood. I think the reason why the director might have done that is to kind of help the audience, especially if they'd never read the books before, yeah. kind of find a connection between a character, you know, who's dead and we don't really get see to ever, see yeah. often, connecting to the main character, which is obviously Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's the thing. So obviously, as previously, as previously mentioned, we're just going to throw away this whole podcast. <laughs> we're going to go to speech classes. We'll come back. We'll be better. Marianne, do you remember your speech therapist information? Oh, my God. That's right. Wow. 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 <laughs> that's all I remember. All right. So uh, he became an anim- animagus. This word is hard. He became an animagus in his fifth year at Hogwarts. Um, and he used it to like hang out with his werewolf friend Lupin. Hey. Um, he was cocky and he was cruel and he was a bully. Like that's how I would describe him in a lot of the yeah. flashbacks yeah. that we get. I did not like him. No, it's really he hard did to like, like that. save Snape's life, but like only because it was in danger because of Sirius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but basically Sirius is like, hey man, like go check this thing out. And um, he was sending Snape towards Lupin like yes. on a transformation night, and James was like, this is wrong. But you know, whatever. So he has like some moral compass. So that's why he's yes, not in Slytherin. Yes. Yes. I mean, he did join the Order of the Phoenix. But my problem here is, and I didn't really write anything down about it because there's no information, which is my problem. Like, where is like 
the character development between like yes. bullying Snape and calling him Snivellus, and then boom, like we're joining the Order of the Phoenix, and Lily Evans is in love with you. Like what? Yeah, like I don't understand because all of this, I never realized this while reading the book, but all of this happens fairly quickly. Yes, it's a very short amount of time. Like it's they become anima- anime anime. Animagi. I hate this word. <laughs> Animagi. Animagi. <laughs> Say it funny. Animagi. <laughs> Hi, my name's Elizabeth. We're talking about Animagi. <laughs> I keep going, Angel. I'm like, Anyways, <laughs> he becomes an Animagus. His fifth year, he's bullying Snape still in his fifth, maybe even sixth year. All of a sudden, seventh year comes around, and Lily's like, Hey, dude, I guess you're nice now. I I'm going to date you. Maybe she's a gold digger. Ooh. I ain't saying she a gold digger. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But all of a sudden, seventh year, they're like together. Yeah. The very yeah. next year, when they're 18 years old. Boom, married. They they propose. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. 19 that years old. First. 19, 19. Everyone listen to the, these ages. Elizabeth is like getting pumped. Yes. Teen marriage still. This is technically still teen marriage. It's like no, back in the yes. day. Nine, no, it's not that back in the day. Like 80s. <laughs> it's like back in the day. 19 years old. It was wartime. They get married. 20 years old. They have Harry. Dude. 21, they die. Listen. I'm if sorry. If I had to push out a kid at 20, we would have been having some problems. But like. Okay, this is where I'm like kind of mad at the movies because the books, again, um, until book seven, we never got an actual like age for James and Lily, like ever. And then book seven, you know, we see it in their tombstone. But the movies aged up everyone yes. so yeah, much. Yeah, they did. They did. Or like, aged them down. Or aged them down. You yeah. see Lucius, who's supposed to be older. older. Yeah, yeah, and they aged him down. But like James and Lily look like in their 30s. I would agree with that statement. So it totally threw me off where I'm like, oh my God, we're looking at people who are technically younger than I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Going through all of this. And having a at least one-year-old. God. Yeah. Artistic liberties, I'm telling you, it's the movies. Yeah, it it completely threw me off. And this was like a very long tangent and a very long rant from me. But (laughs) I just, I needed it to happen. Yeah, because because I need to, like, where is this information? Yeah, like, when did James become a nice guy? Isn't he head boy? Doesn't he become head boy? Yes. Like, when does that happen? When does he become a prefect? You're literally, like, levicorping people all around. (laughs) Like, what? No. I I have questions. I would just like to say, it's funny how he's the father of the main character, and yet we know, I would say, the least amount of info about yes, him. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Because I, we, we even know more info about Peter Pettigrew because he's just lasted well, yeah. as long of being alive. Well, and he's, you know, Phil. Yeah, exactly. So we, because he's the character that is connected to the main character, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. I agree. Yeah. I Anyways, agree. we have questions, Joe. When did James become a nice person? I guess seventh year is my guess, but what? Whatever. What a pivot. So, wow. Fleamont yeah. that you mentioned earlier about yes. Sleek Easy's and the hair potion, yeah. that's um, his dad. Yes. And Euphemia Potter was his mom. Ooh, Clearly, yeah. this family has a problem naming their children. And that's why I think they went with James for their son, because they're like, our names are, yeah. are crap. <laughs> they're like, Harry Fleamont. No, that's not going to work. So, uh, Fleamont was oh. a descendant of Ignatius Peveril and therefore got the invisi- invisibility cloak from, like, his family. 
I just had like oh. an epiphany. Epiphany, maybe time wise, and I hope I'm right. Tell us. I think either right before seventh year or very closely afterwards is when James's parents died. Oh, that's know? right. Where they do. I think from? this is true. Because they, they they die before Harry is born, but they're oh. still around for a lot of their time in Hogwarts. Oh, and there was like Sirius, barely any time between them. And there was barely any time between that. I so see. what if they like passed away right before seventh year? Oh, maybe that's when he got and his stuff that together. Was, and that was when he's like, you know, I need to get my stuff together. You know, I'm an orphan now. This isn't isn't this around the same time too that Sirius was disowned? I think No, he was disowned at like sixteen. Okay. Yeah. So he, oh, but well, before, so I guess technically, yeah. So like right before that, yeah. So he was living in that house, I guess. Yeah. <gasps> this and is so. This is so many layers of sad. That should be the name of our episode. It should be the layers, layers of, of sad. sad. The layers of sad. <laughs> yep. So yeah. The map so, of sad. <laughs> it's the map of sad. Um. But yeah, I just I would have liked to see oh. more character development and all yeah. of this information would have been nice to have. But, but it's like whatever. Just answers, man. We need answers. Yeah. Speaking of sadness. Welcome mm. to the section on Bay culture. <laughs> Sirius Orion Black. I'm freaking out because my birthday is on November 2nd. I did not know this. I, I know, know this when your birthday today. is, but. Sirius Black's birthday? <laughs> okay, I don't think anyone could hear that. Yeah. Would you like to repeat it, Jenny? My birthday is on November 2nd. Yes. Sirius Orion Black, Bay Culture's birthday, November 3rd. Wow. So wow. close together. Now, granted, I was born in the 90s, <laughs> and he was born in uh, 1959. So there's like a huge difference there's there. There's an age gap there. There's an age there's gap like 30 there. 30 years. I just, he's such a cool dude, but whatever. So, um, <laughs> question this is for you. Hold on. <laughs> question yes? for you, Jenny. Oh, God. Is your love of Sirius Black... It's because of Gary Oldman. Okay. I was about to say, like, is it mainly because of Sirius book version or because no. Gary Oldman and Sirius his portrayal? book version, like, I have a lot of issues with, but I can identify with those issues. But I'm like, come on, bro. Like, you're being reckless and dumb. But Gary Oldman just brought that character to life. I it actually have okay. this, like, later on in my notes, but I'm just going to say it now. Like, we need to say a gigantic thank you to Alfonso. Desa, Quarong, Kurong, however you want to say his name. Alfonso gave us the Alfonso aesthetic. Yes, Alfonso aesthetic. Chris Columbus was a director for the first two Harry Potter movies. Yep, yep. He then resigned, but he had already picked out a British actor to play Sirius Black, which, in my opinion, was like a trash option. Why? Who, because who it was wasn't it? Gary Oldman. Can't remember his name. Oh, thank <laughs> you, so, Jenny. You're so welcome, but you can Google it. I found it on like a screen rant article, but whatever. So Chris Columbus had this guy picked out, but then he's like, bye, I'm dipping. Like, I'm not doing these movies. Beautiful Alfonso came into the world and was like, I don't really care about that guy. I really like Gary Oldman for this. And that is how he got Sirius Black. Alfonso put his foot down and was like, we're getting Gary Oldman in I'm here. telling you, Prisoner of Azkaban is uh, the best I Harry Potter movie. I did not realize this until I started talking to you on this podcast yes. about this movie. This man was a genius. I he could, was magic I mean, he is an Oscar-winning yes. director. Whatever, bro. There's a reason. Best movie he ever made. And I think, honestly, <laughs> I don't want to... It's wanna, just so good. I don't want to know the story why he didn't continue directing them. I want to say it was just one and done. He had to go in there, do one 
one, and that's it. Like you can't. Prison of Azkaban was just too good. It was he too had good, to back away. But honestly, honestly, I feel like his aesthetic him. wouldn't have done well <gasps> after <gasps> after maybe. Yeah, I wouldn't have. I know. I just wanted to be offended. Okay, so. <laughs> but it was one. That's why I was like, it was perfect. It was because, the one and done. Prisoner and of Azkaban, like the perfect movie yes. for him to like have been the director yeah. of. Yes. Yeah, because. The only other movie that I would have loved for him to be a director of is Half Blood Prince. Yeah. I was going to say Half Blood Prince yeah. has a very similar feel, feel. to Prisoner yeah. of Azkaban, and I, I would have mm, loved to mm, see mm, Alfonso mm. aesthetic transitional book, it transitional movie, transitional time. This it would have been so much better, so good than what David Yates Stop gave us. Insulting that movie, it is trash, and we know it. It you belongs know, in the garbage can, but it has its <laughs> moments. I will give David Yates his credit; he got his act a little bit more together for mm. part one and part two. I don't know, he's and a for cutter. the Fantastic Beast movies, he's just and, like, and he's the cutting. Fantastic Beast. No, no, I'm mad at him about that. So he just cuts stuff. He cuts left and right. He's well, like, "Oh, he, J.K. Rowling wrote that. I don't care. Let's cut it." He technically like hasn't it. cut anything from Fantastic Beast because he's she's cut a screenwriter. A lot. I mean, like stuff is cut because of like time. Yeah, I know, but he. Cut a lot, bro. I mean, are, I I would sit there for four hours and watch a movie, I but not everybody, I mean, not everybody would else watch. would. But he cuts like important stuff. Like there's people who you don't know who they are in Fantastic Beasts. It's very clearly written. It'll take two seconds to introduce him in the movie. He's like, let's cut it. <laughs> I have the extra two minutes, bro. Anyways, <laughs> we're moving on back to Sirius Black. My first note for this section is literally the most perfect character ever written. <laughs> Okay, Jenny. I love this guy. He's Calm a Gryffindor. This is the part of the uh, episode that me and Elizabeth just listened to Jenny no, talk about Sirius Black. Yeah. You gotta talk about him too. Um, yeah. But I will say, if you're a listener, there's a very big rant coming. Ooh, so, but it's, it's a not, good one. It's, it's not a good a rant. one. It's like a like a mind blown kind of. Oh my god, this lady. Jenny's informational speech. Yeah. Yeah, it's a speech. That I, I've plagiarized. I'm just gonna literally read you quotes from somebody else. <laughs> but anyways, he's a Gryffindor in a very long line of Slytherins. Um, his Marauder's ID is Padfoot, which just happens to be my favorite nickname out of the four. I mean, I think it is the best one. <laughs> but I mean, I like Mooney, but that's it. I like Mooney too, but Padfoot is just like you. <laughs> so um, his Animagus yes. is a dog. I've literally always wanted to have a black dog named Sirius. I've just never accomplished it. But yeah, so. It's my goal for my next dog. We have some etymology. So, we got our first name meaning, Sirius. It's Greek, Sirius. Um, that was a really bad Great pronunciation Greek of it. from what I know. Honestly, <laughs> it was just really bad. I don't, whatever. But it, the meaning is burning. But Sirius is actually, I believe, a star. It's the dog star, the brightest one in the Canis Major. Did I say that right? Yeah. Um, which, that means the great dog constellation, alluding to the fact that he can change into a big black dog. Look at that. Right? And then we've got other names like Snuffles and Padfoot as... I love Snuffles. That is <laughs> so already talked about. cute. Right? Literally. Isn't that what the mo- Marauders call no. him? They start referring to him as Snuffles, like Harry and Ron and Hermione, when they can't risk yeah. like, talking about there him in go. public. There we go. Yes. Why they didn't just do Padfoot is beyond me. Well, they would... Because then I guess, like, Fred and George would know. Yeah. Because of the map. Why are Fred and George reading their letters? Like, that's not something Fred and George would do. Oh, I don't know. Girl, you're asking a lot of questions. They changed to Snuffles because they thought it was going to be intercepted. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. See? Boom. I don't know. 
I yeah. have no idea. He literally could have just used the same nickname this guy has had for the past but 20 years. But we got years. Snuffles instead, okay? Whatever. Snuffles is fun. Anyway, so Padfoot refers to the animagus form, obviously, as we've already talked about. It is also English. Um, and it has for the magical black dogs of their legends and fears. Usually, Padfoot's guard churchyards or certain roads. They're said to roam the countryside at night, tend to be larger than ordinary dogs, which we already kind of know that's the case for Sirius's animagus form. They can vanish instantly or fade slowly away while standing still, yet can run extremely quickly, typically described as having huge and quote-unquote blazing eyes. They tend to be silent, and because of their association with graveyards, scholars once believed that the black dog form was the preferred form of the devil and are usually considered an omen of death and are thus also called the, the Grim. So there's a lot of layers to this that we just like like thrown out there and unlayered, but just a lot of attributes that we see, especially in the Prisoner of Azkaban movie on um, Sirius Black's animagus form. It also just ties in with his name, so... Are she we ready? did it on purpose. Yeah. Are we ready for my speech? I'm actually oh, super excited. Get ready. We're talking about some alchemy. Woo! So we've wow. already talked a little bit about alchemy in a previous episode. I think the yes. professor. Yeah, yes. Hogwarts yes. professor's episode. Yes. I, it was when I was talking about Hagrid and, and Albus, Albus Dumbledore. I, I touch upon it again just so, in case. Yeah, we'll get know, a review soon. You don't want to like, sift through it or whatever. But basically, there's a lot of people that believe that um, J.K. Rowling learned a lot about the alchemical process, which she herself in 1998, I believe, said in an interview. It might be 1988. I don't remember. But well, no. Yeah, definitely 98. So in 1998, at some interview, she like confirmed that, yes, she learned how alchemy worked because she wanted to know like the limitations of magic and like what one could and could not do. So for anybody that's not familiar with alchemy, a.k.a. Jenny, like seven hours ago, basically it's like you're breaking something down to make it into like a metal, like gold or something pure, like the philosopher's stone that gives you eternal life. And so that's what alchemy focuses on. Okay. So the first stage of the alchemical work is dissolution. And usually they call this step, and I don't know if I'm saying this right, but they call it the negretto or the black stage. In this black initial stage, the body of the impure metal, the matter for the stone or the old outmoded state of being is killed putrefied and yeah. dissolved into the original substance of creation, the prima materia, in order that it may be renovated and reborn in a new form. Harry's godfather, Sirius Black, is named for this stage of the work. So basically, like, you're having a lot of, like, breaking down and dissolution, which remember for later. So we're going to put a pin in it. Pin in it. Thank you. So the second stage is purification, usually called the albedo or white work. Does this remind you of a name like Elvis? What? Whoa. So it follows the ablution or washing of the prima materia, which causes it to turn a brilliant white. <laughs> when the matter reaches the albedo, it has become pure and spotless. Albus Dumbledore, which Albus is Latin for white resplendent, is named for this stage of the work. Frequently used symbols of the albedo stage, 
um, of the work and pictorial representations and descriptions of it are the moon. His half moon spectacles. Boom. Ooh. Also Luna in Latin, which is the name of one of Harry's friends in the fifth book. And a lily, the name of his mother, who gave her life to save his. Whoa. So the third and last stage of the chemical work is recongealing or the perfection, usually called the rubedo or the red stage. The purified matter is now ready to be reunited with the spirit or the already united spirit and soul. With the fixation, crystallization, or embodiment of the eternal spirit form is bestowed upon the pure, but as yet formless matter of the stone. So at this union, the supreme chemical wedding, the body is resurrected into eternal life. As the heat of the fire is increased, the divine red tincture flushes the white stone with its rich red color. The reddening of the white matter is also frequently likened to staining with blood. Rubeus Hagrid is named for this stage. So basically, like they're talking about like this resurrect this resurrection or like eternal life or whatever. And it is Hagrid who is carrying dead Harry Potter, who then quote unquote resurrects at the Battle of Hogwarts and is reborn after he was killed by Voldemort and then defeats the thing or whatever. But yes. I also have this like so we, there's more by the way ye, this is like yes. half my speech <laughs> yes it was very technical and i'm very sorry <laughs> but we're gonna plug it all in now. yeah i don't know if you're gonna get to this i don't want to like stumble on your like your notes because like, i didn't read all of them because i want a genuine reaction but so there's an order to the chemical process right oh i'm getting there you are? I think I think I know what you're going to say, and I think I'm going to get there. Okay. Do you want me to wait? Let's wait. Let's okay. Put a pin in it, and then we'll come back. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So each book thus far is a trip through these stages. So the black work or dissolution is the work done on Harry at Privet Drive by the Dursleys and in the classroom at Hogwarts by a teacher, Snape, who hates him. The white work or purification is Harry's year at Hogwarts under the watchful eye of the white alchemist Albus Dumbledore in combination with painful separation from Ron, Hermione, or both. The red work or rubedo is the climactic crucible scene so far always underground or in a graveyard in which Harry always dies a figurative death and is saved by love in the presence of a Christological symbol. So the resurrection at a story's end at story's end each year is the culmination of that year's cycle and transformation. The cycle then closes with congratulations and explanations from the master alchemist and a return to the Dursleys for another trip through the cycle. But yeah, do you want me to keep going? Did I touch it? No, you didn't actually. Ooh, okay. And so basically, like, my whole point to focus on Sirius is that in the alchemical scheme of the books, Sirius Black is associated with the Negrito through his names, Sirius, meaning burning, and Black as an obvious connection. Metaphorically, Sirius is associated with the Negrito stages in Harry's journey. So basically, like, Harry is going through all of these, like, really sad, disillusioning mm-hmm. things. Like, we're, we're getting pretty serious when we meet Sirius Black. Serious. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that one. But basically, like, all those things are happening while Sirius is around. And it isn't until after he is gone that the other, like, stages of the alchemical process take place. The end. Okay. Now, I'm going to have, like, my, my, I guess, epiphany while listening to you right now. Yeah. So, the stages of the alchemical process are black, white, red, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's 
in regards to our characters, Sirius Albus Hagrid, right? Okay, so we have Sirius Albus Hagrid. Even though in the story we meet Hagrid first, Harry doesn't consider Hagrid a father figure. Not really in the beginning. He's just like a pal, a friend. However, his first father figure is Sirius, the first step in the alchemical process. His next true father figure is Albus Dumbledore, step two in the alchemical process. And in the end, he is left with Hagrid, who is there to support him into his new life. What? This lady is crazy. That's literally insane. I know. It was like a lot of technical language. Yeah. Yeah. I had to read through it so much. But I think when you break it up that way in just those three stages, I mean, obviously, if you want to go back and get a little bit more technical to really understand, yeah. you yeah. can. Rewind, re-listen. Rewind, it's all good. Re-listen. I just, I wanted to give everybody, like, the boring information the because that's, like, what I found interesting. I was like, oh, my God. No, yeah. it's But so then cool. it's like, then you fit it into the story. Like, yeah. it's just crazy. If you just yeah. simplify it, you could basically understand yeah. those stages. Yeah. I think it's also really cool, too. This is a really just small thing that I got from that. But um, when you're talking about the the state, the red stage, was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about resurrection. Anytime we see, any like, the Philosopher's Stone or the Resurrection Stone, the, the red color really is, like, yeah. prime with those props. So. Yeah. I just think that's really nice. And that's really cool detail that I noticed. Yeah. Honestly, this is probably one of the... Because, I mean, I was very impressed with Joe's writing while I was reading. And now, like, reviewing the reading in more detail. This whole alchemy side of it has been probably the most impressive part to me. I agree. I agree with that statement wholeheartedly. I was like, what? Because she... Not only did she look at it in a magical sense and the spellbinding sense but she also put that into the characters themselves yeah, yeah. she she had the characters embody these stages and also had the storyline almost embody yeah. the stages yes. as yeah. well yeah which is it's crazy to it's me it's just so cool yeah and that's why we have a podcast Woo. Mm-hmm. so obviously the first book that Sirius appears in is prisoner of azkaban wow and I wrote another thank you note to Alfonso. <laughs> thank you, Alfonso. Uh, but you know what? Thank you, Gary Oldman, too. Y- yes. So Gary Oldman, thank you. Uh, great actor. What a great guy. I've actually loved him in almost everything he's done. He's so great. You also have to thank J.K. Rowling. I mean, without her, there would be no serious black. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> so uh, his mother was a horrible person. Um, his dad too, but I wrote he doesn't have a screaming portrait. <laughs> so um, yeah, how conceited do you have to be bruh. to like literally have this like screaming portrait uh, in your house? But yeah, so his fam was like super into the pure blood mania stuff. F his um, family, duh. which I think is like my one of my favorite things about Sirius is that he was raised kind of in that environment, and he was basically like, "Screw you guys, like you're crazy." Yeah, that's definitely a nurture. Can you imagine? Or nature, sorry. nature, yeah, nature, nature. But I'm like, can you imagine being like in, in that long line of Slytherins, and then you sit down up there, and it's like Gryffindor. Nah, man, boo. It's just so great. I, I have a feeling his family was like, "You can't come home." <laughs> Maybe. So talk, I guess talk to the headmaster. You have to get changed. I guess his technical first appearance is when Harry leaves the Dursleys in Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. And he's like the dog by the garage when yeah. he's waiting for the night bus. Um, but on October 31st of 1993, 
Sirius Black breaks into Hogwarts to find and kill Peter Pettigrew. Because he's dun, dun, nuts. Dun. Sometimes this is the book that I wish I can go back and like unread so I could read it again. Yeah. Because it was such a page turner. Yeah. It was this whole part. Yep. Yeah. But uh, when everything is going down at the Shrieking Shack, we learn that Sirius was imprisoned for 12, 12 years. 12 years. <laughs> and ask about <laughs> uh side note have you ever seen the meme when it's like you're waiting for your pizza rolls to heat up in the oven and you're yes. like i did my waiting 12 years of it and it has been so good uh and it's but, thanks to gary oldman's delivery that yes, that line is so memorable it's so good yeah. it's so good but uh basically we learned we learned that peter frames him for the murder of uh himself and 12 muggles um, but as he, we mentioned, yes, F Peter, F Peter. Yep. And uh, he survived going to Azkaban because he was a dog. Basically. Well, they the like official quote, it says an ob- obsessional thought that is neither happy or sad and the ability to turn into an animal with less complex emotions. That's basically the best way to escape Azkaban. Yeah. So basically it's because he was a dog. Yeah. I wonder if he like. He stayed a dog the whole time unless, no. like, there were people, like, visiting. So they had to come and, like, see his physical form. Because, like, the Dementors don't have eyes. Yeah. So they just had to know that there was a body in the in the cell. So he could have stayed a whole a dog when? the entire time that the Dementors are there. But then if people were coming to go talk to him, he would transform oh, back into himself. Um, He explains it, actually, in the third book. I got really lucky that this is the book that I was listening to. Um, at the time, like I just finished it at work. Um, now I'm on book four. If you're interested in my journey, mom, I just <laughs> finished book two. You're going way faster than it's I am. It's because I like I listen to it a lot at work to get through like all the raking, but um, <laughs> raking of what poop or caca <laughs> as we know it on this podcast. So he, I forget what the monologue is. I'm so mad that I didn't write it down. But he it gives the implication that he was not a dog the whole time. But part of the reason that he could not um, like he was not affected by the Dementors as strongly is because he felt like so much guilt and like shame over what he did. He wasn't really focusing on happy memories like those things weren't happy for him. So he, he was, was just, just really like de- sad. He was clinically so they, depressed the whole time like when he got there. So then and we know that Cornelius Fudge sees him as a man because he yeah. gets the paper and that's where he sees the rat which P.S. like for you to be able to see that that rat is missing a toe in the newspaper. Uh. But that's where he sees that Scabbers is like with Ron and he's going to Hogwarts and he's like, oh, my God, Harry's at Hogwarts. And that's kind of what inspires him to like get out. Mm -hmm. Just super sweet. So sweet. But yeah, but I also have a problem with the fact that he actually like he has a godson and he just imprisoned himself for 12 years because he felt so guilty. Like, come on. Sometimes we got to get over it. We got to do what's good for the rest of the world. Yeah. Like who like who did he think Harry was going to go to? Like someone else in the order? Mm, I don't know. But he makes a mention, like, when he's talking to Harry about moving into, like, Grimald Place with him. He's like, I don't know. Like, maybe you like your aunt and uncles. So maybe Lily just never talked about it. Or, But I find it really hard to believe that, like, James wouldn't have said something about her nasty relatives to, like, his best friend. Yeah. So he had to know that the Dursies were gross. But I don't know. But maybe it was, like, kind of, like, oh, maybe it's, like, an exaggeration. I mean, maybe he had a- other things on his mind. Like, I just spent the last 12 years in wizard prison and, like, I was a dog. Yeah. So, you know, there's stuff there's to a think lot. about. <laughs> but 
I think it's also really cute that in the book, he like shows up as a dog to watch Harry play Quidditch. That yeah. makes me cry. It makes me cry every time. It makes me sad just because when... Um, I like your note. <laughs> I just put, I'm sad. Yeah. But it's not probably for what you think. That oh. just, I like when I read that note, I would just like, my mind just trails off into like, what would it be like? And then obviously the only like friend that I have that has a child is Elizabeth. So then I just started thinking, it was like the sad, sad thought oh of Elizabeth God. and Raul not being here. And then poor Julie being out there alone in the world. She wouldn't be alone in the world. She would not. But she would metaphorically, have like 72 of us like constantly watching over But her. metaphorically, alone in the world. And I was not around 12 years to love that child down so but much. But that's so my hard. problem is like you would never have gone to ask him for 12 years because Peanut needed you. It, maybe. But what if I felt just as guilty? I then, don't think anyone would let you. Because I had a million people stopping me. <laughs> yeah. But he Sirius didn't have a million people stopping me. He was him. alone. Like, overwhelmingly, when you're going back and you're reading these things, yeah. like, at yeah. a glance, like, Remus and Sirius were alone. Yeah, That's they, and some they of really things, only like, had the Marauders. Yes. Yeah. But, but even then, like, yes, they had the Marauders, but then it's like, well, James Peter. and Lily are gone, like... Peter obviously betrayed. And then it's like on Sirius's end, like he knows that he's alone because he knows that Lupin probably won't believe him or whatever. And he knows that Peter is bad. They just but lost But then Remus everything. is also just alone because he's like, one of my friends died supposedly. And the other one is a murderer. So everybody just feels alone. Or they supposedly two friends of his died. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You know, like it's crazy. Poor Remus. Right, we're going to get, get there. there. That one's like the saddest one. <laughs> so uh, June 6th of 94, Sirius escapes on Buckbeak. I was it's one year like old. It's just like Floy. <laughs> you were one. I was one year old. <laughs> Me too. Uh, he also gave Ron Pigwidgeon the owl. Yay. And I literally cried. But fun fact, for one day we had an owl named Pigwidgeon, but I just hated the name so much. So he changed it to Hermes, which is like <laughs> Percy's owl in the yeah. book. But yeah. So I thought that that was very sweet of him. That is really sweet. I mean, he's a sweet guy. He has like sweet. He has his moments. He has his moments. Uh, starting in Goblet of Fire, Harry's scar hurts and he has no idea like who to write a letter to. And so he basically sits down and he's going to write this letter. He's like, okay, if I write to Hermione, she's going to be like, we're going to write to Dumbledore right away. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I'm going to read some books about it. Which is totally true. When he's like, let's write to Ron. He's like, Ron's going to be like, your scar hurt when Voldemort was here the last time, but he can't possibly be here. So you're just like crazy. It can't possibly mean anything. So he was like, none of these like options are good enough for me. And then it dawns on him that he's a godfather and he can write to him. And I'm just like, so sad. He, he latched on to this father figure so, so hard fast and so, so fast. hard. Yes. <sighs> but, um, I mean, okay. My problem with Sirius. You have one. Yes. Is that he's reckless. He can be very reckless. He is. He's extremely reckless. He does yeah. not but, think things through. No. But sometimes he's reactive. it's really great because Harry writes to him and is like, hey, my scar hurts. Like this is going on with me. And Sirius is somewhere tropical. Like it sounds like south of the equator. Some weird birds are like coming into Harry's room instead of owls. And he makes the journey to as a fugitive that's wanted by the Ministry of Magic to like get closer to Harry so that he can like keep an eye on him and make sure he's safe. 
but also risking his death and depressing Harry and leaving Harry an orphan once again. You know, so reckless, <laughs> but sweet. Yeah. You know, he has a good heart. He's got good intentions. Sometimes. All the time. Really? Yeah. 16-year-old him? Snape was trash and filth. You, mm, so anyways, Harry. I'm going to stay silent. He did not deserve to die at the hands of a werewolf. No, he didn't. But, you know, we all make mistakes, Elizabeth. Listen, you know who also at 16 was sending people to their deaths? Whoa. Voldemort! Hot Tom Riddle. Hot Tom Riddle. So Harry is super nervous about the Triwizard Cup in this book. And at some point, Sirius like appears in the fireplace of the Gryffindor common room. And he's like telling Harry a bunch of information. Like, don't trust Karkaroff. Like, he's possibly dangerous. He used to be a Death Eater. And he's giving us all this, like, good tea. Tea. And Mm. then Ron walks into the room. And they're having their little tiff at the time. So Harry, Mm. like, Sirius is like, bye, I'm out of here. And then Ron's like, who are you talking to? And Harry's like, none of your business. (laughs) And it's just, that's like, Ron really bothers me in that scene. Because I'm like, we were getting such good info. Yeah. And then Sirius just had to go. And it is during the time where, like, Ron and Harry are, like, fighting with each other. Yeah, so it's even so. more annoying to have Ron come in and, and ruin like, everything. Just go to your dormitory, bro. You're not friends right now. But anyways. Okay. So, you know, Sirius is giving Harry all this information. Yeah. He tells Harry that Karkaroff was a Death Eater. Yeah. Did he not mention that Snape was one? I guess not. <laughs> like... When does Harry find out that Snape was a Death Eater? Uh, isn't it like common knowledge? I don't think no, so. I think it's common that he was like into the dark arts or whatever, but I don't think it's common knowledge that he was a Death Eater. Yeah, really? I don't remember hearing it. Why are you asking us questions that we can't answer? But it's questions Should that I are live coming Google? up in my mind. Should I live Google? I think Harry finds out in Goblet of Fire. When he Was stumbles it? upon, like, Karkaroff showing him, like, the, the dark mark on his arm. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Yes. Yes. I think that is when he makes a connection. But literally, Sirius is right there. Like, why don't you just tell him, like, hey, by the way, also, your teacher has been a Death Eater. You probably shouldn't trust him either. They did have a tiff. Snape and Karkaroff. Didn't I'm- they? Well, Steve and Karkaroff don't like each other. I remember. Yes. Because I live Googled it and I found the information. <laughs> remember that Harry like dives into the Pensieve and he's seeing all those old trials and Karkaroff is up and he's like uh. trying to gain his freedom. So he's giving names Ooh. and he's like Severus Snape. And then Dumbledore stands up and he's like, I've already vouched for him. That's when he finds out. And yes. then he gets super pissy with Dumbledore for not saying anything. Yeah. And for allowing a Death Eater to but. But then technically, it's still common knowledge because it happened at the court. The yeah. trial. Yes, it's common but like, knowledge. But not to be, Harry. It would be it's public not, knowledge, not common knowledge. Yes, yeah. it's public knowledge. The students don't know yeah. this. Yeah. Harry wouldn't Unless know. Unless their parents told them. Which I wouldn't be them. like advertising that either. Yeah. So Harry wouldn't know, which means we as an audience What's wouldn't know. What's weird is that like none of the parents that would have been alive during that era were like, uh, your potions master is a death eater. Like, you can't go there. Yeah. This is also Hogwarts and we're talking about. And true. again, Sirius is obsessed with his obsession with hating Snape. Good for him. So, like, why didn't he mention it immediately? Be like, don't trust this man. He's a Death Eater. Like, what? Just blame it know. on the guilt. Just blame it on the guilt. Just blame it on the guilt. <laughs> 
I am so guilty. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyways. So the next time in the book that we see Sirius, like physically see him with our reading eyes, he's disguised as a dog and he's in Hogsmeade. That's way too close. He's like he giving is giving us some steaming tea. Yup. And he tells the children that Crouch's son was a convicted Death Eater. Yeah, he was. Again. Barty Crouch Jr. Again, tells them that Barty Crouch Jr. was a Death Eater. Yeah. And not Snape. Yeah. Which also problematic with the map. If it had just said Barty Crouch Jr. on the map, we wouldn't have had this problem. Yeah. But the Whoa. map does not show juniors versus seniors. Just first names and Just surnames. Just first names and, yeah, surnames. Okay. No suffixes. However, if Harry was looking in the map and kept on seeing a Barty Crouch in Moody's office and never a Moody. Because it's not in Moody's office that he sees him. He sees him in, in Snape's potion storeroom or whatever where he keeps the ingredients. Yeah. And he thinks that Mad-Eye is like investigating or he knows that mad eye investigated it and then he thinks that barty crouch is like in there i don't know he's like a high ministry official like maybe he thinks that they're like on to snape i don't know i just don't like it seems like harry likes to look at the map pretty often why wouldn't he realize that he never sees moody on the map so maybe it was just wrote a book Maybe <laughs> it's a plot device. It's a plot device. Yeah. Convenience. Loophole. I guess. I don't Maybe know. Maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe he's not paying attention. There's a lot of dots yeah. on the map. You know, like, unless you're, like, specifically looking for somebody, like, maybe it wouldn't have stuck out. He's busy having a crush on Cho Chang. Yeah. That's stupid. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. And I oop. And I oop. No, so I have a tangent. I don't know when we're ever going to talk about Cho Chang, but I have a really good point that actually, like, makes me like her. Wait. Well, we're not going to talk about it today. No, I know, but I'm just saying. All I right. Want it out there in the universe. Pin. Oh, man. Maybe like a transseasonal pin. Yes, it might be. Yeah, because I don't think we're going to talk about anything related to her in the next couple episodes. No. Nope. Man. We are not, but I have so much tea to spill. The Anyways, an- the anticipation. <laughs> Hashtag multi fandom. All right. So where's that from? The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh my god! How did I not know that? Uh, yeah. I was just following her lead. What? <laughs> I was just following your lead. All right. So Sirius comes into school after Harry comes back from the graveyard. Wow. And it's just Graveyards. so cute. Graveyards. Graveyards. And going the back serious. So he literally is a big dog. He's waiting in the pumpkin patch by Hagrid's cabin. McGonagall goes to get, the, like, she doesn't know who it is, mm-hmm. which I'm like, how do you not know this? But whatever. Yeah, because she's. Dumbledore's like, bro, there's a dog hanging out on this pumpkin patch. Go tell him to go to my office and wait for me. And she just goes and does it. I- Imagine this being your job. She's I, like, let me talk to this dog real quick. But I feel like that just comes with, like, having the Dumbledore territory. as your boss. Yeah, that's you, true. This is a man who said nitwit blubber, like, tweak <laughs> in a speech to the school, and no one batted an eyelash. That's very true. So it's like, if he, if he tells you, oh, by the way, just tell this dog to go to my office, give him the password. Like, yeah. I think. 
Yeah. So basically, Sirius is up there while Harry is telling the story of what happened. And then Dumbledore dismisses him, and he's like, let's get the band back together. And he's talking about the Order of the Phoenix, dun, dun, dun. which is the next book in the series. Ooh. And now we've arrived at book five. <laughs> oh, why are you? What is, is going on with five? you? Jenny, do you not know? No, what <laughs> happens when I'm like, you're really emotional about this. I just plan on like skimming over it really quick and never talking about it again. <laughs> but then we talk about it again with Lupin. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> I had to write the serious part, and then I had to write the Lupin part, and I was like, I have to relive this from the other side. <laughs> I was very mad. <laughs> so, Jenny, I'll take this so you don't have to start off the book. But Harry is attacked by Dementors in Order of the Phoenix, and he's taken to number 12, Grimmauld Place, London, which is Sirius's childhood home. And then we learn it's the HQ for Order of the Phoenix. Duh. And we also learned in detail that Sirius's home was trash. Uh, a little bit. Like, total trash. Besides a beautiful, like, black family map. Which oh, is, the tapestry? Yeah, the tapestry is gorgeous, especially uh, if you see it in person. It's like, now a wallpaper. I know. No, I it's mean not. Lima? It is. It's, a ta- it's tapestry. No, in it's me- wallpaper with, with by Mina Mean- Lima. By Mina like, Lima, you can, you buy can go buy world. Oh, yeah, the yeah, wallpaper. That's so yes. cool. Yes. I'm actually wow. like this close to like having like an accent wall in this room and yeah. like buying one of those. Listen. Totally. You Listen. should totally do it. I'm, I still have to put up my like Mina Lima diagonally. I'm so but. close to purchasing a home so that I can buy this wallpaper. Okay. And the idea is to make like a little like a reading room and it'll be dark. And dimly lit, which is not ideal for reading, but it'll really fit the wallpaper aesthetic. Okay? Yes. I'm very excited Just have it. really good, powerful it's lamps. Like, it's really expensive, honestly. I mean, every anything from Mina Lima is, but it's super yeah. high quality and super amazing. And fun fact, if you buy anything from Mina Lima, they only make like limited amounts of things. So they actually number everything that you buy from them. So I have one of the original maps of Diagon Alley. It has like stores on there that never made it to like the, the movie. Oh, mm-hmm. um, and so if you look on the back of like my drawing for Mina Lima, it has like number 473 out of 1,061 or something like that. Oh, that's really so cool. there, there's only like 1,061 copies and then you know, and it's like certified on the back that this is authentic Mina Lima merchandise it's really cool it's Merch so cool. you you need to visit house of mina lima in london it is actually right behind the cursed child theater uh, so amazing. it's like you can do all of them in one day uh, i love and it is so cool i love it yes so afterwards when Harry is at Sirius's for the holidays, he confesses his fears to Sirius. And Sirius obviously reassures him. Um, and I think it's just important that Harry has an adult in his life that he can talk to about those things and feel safe. It's like some dark stuff. Like he's talking about like the dream where he's like the snake. And yeah. Arthur and like, you know, like that whole thing. Like, oh my God. And, uh, can you imagine though Sirius like... From Sirius's perspective, like he comes in, he's so happy that yes. he has like his godson, and now his godson is telling him that he was a snake and attacked his friend. Like, uh, like he just jumps stuff. into this like quote unquote dad role. I know. 
I can't even imagine Sirius must have been like, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 hold man. your horses. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not normal, even for wizards. <laughs> oh, my God. Put on your brakes. Like, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> so really, like, super, 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 super quickly, I'm going to move through the next three or four bullet points. Okay. Harry has a vision of Sirius being tortured at the Ministry of Magic. Creature lies to Harry about it when he comes into the fireplace. He and F his friends, creature, by the way. He and his, but you know what? Sirius brought that upon himself. Yes, he in did. In a way. Yes, he now did. Now that he deserved to die, but whatever. So, um... He and his friends, like Harry and his friends, go to the Ministry of Magic to look for him. They've been hoodwinked. Uh, but eventually, the Order members show up, including Sirius Black. While Sirius is fighting Bellatrix, she wins out and his body falls through the veiled archway. Harry is really, 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 really sad, and so am I. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I'm done now. Mm. Moving on to Remus Lupin. <laughs> How could no, you just like move like, on that quick from that? We can't. Uh, we I don't can. want to talk about it. We it's so sad. To. It's so sad. It's. Uh, I understand why it was done. Like I understand that the death is significant and blah 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 blah. But I'm just like, uh, we could have just let him have a Godfather. Like yeah, we could have just let the literally. kid be happy. No. Very mad about it. I, okay, so I'm not sure. And I, I don't know if it's because I don't remember clearly, but did Bellatrix actually use the killing curse? In the movie, I think she did. In the movie, she does. I think in the book, in he the, like falls through that veil. Yeah, I think he falls through the veil yeah. alive. Yes, I think so too. I always, so when I read the books, to me, it wasn't clear that he like died in my eyes and in my mind. You were like, Harry, you were like, he can come back. Like he's just stuck somewhere. N- I thought he was like stuck there forever, and I, I've I've always pictured it until the movie oh. came out that Sirius was kind of stuck in this like other dimension, kind of like okay wait, for the people who played Dungeons and Dragons, the it's kind of like um the Feywilds where you're stuck in like this like other plane where you can see everything going on but you can't participate. So I feel like Sirius was always like in the background of Harry's life, watching everything and just not. You just made me way sadder. No, he's dead. This isn't a thing. He's got a death date. He's dead. Which is still sad. But I think it's better than him like silently watching as things happen. But can you imagine though, like me, like me reading it? Like, no, stop it. Are you going (laughs) to cry? Oh my, oh my god, god Marianne is crying. Marianne never cries. Oh man, now I'm mad. I you mean, see, really I told you, sad. no, you can't catch it. No. I told you we were going to read the bullet points and then we were going to read about Lupin. You're betraying me. It's not my Put fault. Put the tears back inside it's your body. It's Elizabeth's fault she made me think. Oh <laughs> she made me think. Guys, there's actual just, tears rolling yes, down. That just made me so much sadder. That Sirius is just chilling. He's like, oh my god, stop! So imagine, like, no, I'm, I I'm, don't want to imagine. <laughs> I'm reading the book, and I'm like, 
bawling. I'm literally bawling and while now, I'm reading it because I, I, I'm feeling like serious is there and like he just can't. You guys are very uh, in touch with your emotions. And I'm also picturing like baby Elizabeth, not baby obviously, like, you know, but like baby Elizabeth. Elizabeth reading this book and she's like, wait, but he's fine. <laughs> and then she's just flipping the page. She's like, but he's, but he's fine. But he's <laughs> we're, fine. We're in Half Blood Prince and she's like, but he's fine. But where is he? <laughs> But that was really me, though. I kept on thinking he was gonna come <laughs> back at some point. Oh my I god! I think I think until he came out in like the priority in Cantanum, like I didn't truly believe that he was dead. <laughs> I was having a reaction to that, but I was also yawning. That's wow, just wow. Yeah. So this is why, like. My my childhood was very traumatizing <laughs> my ch- when it comes to Sirius Black. My whole childhood was ruined because of Sirius Black. <laughs> Thanks, JK. <laughs> Thanks, JK Rowling. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about Remus Lupin now, and I swear if any one of you cries here, I'm going to walk out of the room. Uh, I'm, you know turn, where I'm going to cry. Turn around. Turn around. Every, Every now, now and then I get a little bit sad because I'm talking about the Marauders. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so Remus Lupin was a Gryffindor. That's happy. What? We got some etymology. It's cool and stuff. Um, <laughs> I mean, still trying to recover. Get it together. Um. Anyways, so the last name, we've got Lupin in Latin. Lu- we've got Lupinus, which means wolfish. Whoa. Whoa. It's like J.K. Rowling did her research or something. Almost. She's like a writer. Wow. Marauder's ideas, Mooney. Wow. He's a werewolf. What? 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 Thanks. His Patronus, normal wolf. What? <laughs> That's so strange to me. Why? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't picture like his Patronus being so closely related to who he was, since he despised himself so much. Maybe it's like a hap- Like his happiness is finding. Like no, he hates his Patronus. Okay, well, yes. <laughs> metaphorically, <laughs> his Patronus is like finding, like not happiness, but uh, what's the word? Contentment. Contentment with his flaws. Um, he is super self-loathing, and it's really sad. That's really like overwhelmingly what we see in him as a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he hates being a werewolf so much, and he hates that his Patronus is like a reminder of that. That he will often on purpose, um cast a non-corporeal yes. patronus yes so that like other people don't see that it's a wolf and he doesn't have to be reminded of it it's super oh, tragic God. moving on into more sadness it's only gonna get worse from I here i know yeah literally <laughs> so he was bitten by grayback after he was released by the ministry of magic we've so, already talked about this scary fenware yes so basically grayback was caught by the ministry of magic they were like cracking down on werewolf stuff he pretended to be a muggle and had no idea what was going on. Two idiots who were overworked because there was so much going on because it was like when Voldemort first rose to power, they let him go. But before they let him go, Lupin's dad, Lyle, was saying that um, that werewolves are soulless, evil, and deserving nothing but death. So Greyback heard this, then got released by the corrupt government. And then came back to, like, get revenge on Lyle by biting his almost five-year-old son, Lupin. 
and this is just like a recipe for Lupin to already start hating himself yep. because he heard his dad say this about exactly. the thing that he became. Exactly. Which I thought that his parents were like really not cool with the whole werewolf thing, but they actually were like, oh, our son is still like a decent human being and we love him. This is just hard for him. But yes. So I just did a live Google because I could have remembered this, but I wanted to get my facts straight. Ooh, I love Hashtag a facts. Google. And I'm going to blow your minds. One more time with, etymolo- with etymology. Ooh. Lyle <gasps> comes from a Scottish surname, which means wolf. What? What? Yes. Yes. And this dude was like werewolf focused. Yeah. At the Ministry of Magic. Like that was like his little That's niche. crazy. Yeah. Yep. Whoa. I had to do a live Google because I wanted to be 100% positive. But I we was are like, getting you 100% facts, guys. Guys. No alleged. Let's no go. No alleged today. No alleged. Uh, so Why well, just get a bunch of corrections? <laughs> right? <laughs> So basically, Lupin's parents kept him like really sheltered. He wasn't allowed to play with other kids because they were worried he would like let the secret slip. They would have to move away all the time so that people like wouldn't notice he was disappearing at every full moon. So basically, he was just really lonely as a kid and he grew up really alone other than his parents. Like he didn't really have friends. So um, Remus functioned as the conscience of the Marauders. But it was an occasionally faulty conscience. Yeah. I would also say he's kind of like, a, I don't want to say he's a central part of the unit. Like, I don't want, I want to call him the glue, but. Yeah, but he's kind of like the glue. But he's kind of the glue because without him, they wouldn't have become an magi, magi but in the first him, place. They also wouldn't have Peter Pettigrew. Exactly. Because Sirius and James probably would have just overlooked him, but Lupin was the one that was like, oh, this kid, like he's Give him a chance. and stuff like that. Exactly. So. Thanks, Lupin. <laughs> hey. Hey, Lupin definitely spent hit some of his life beating himself up about yeah, that as well. I know. He beats himself up about literally everything. This guy needs to learn how to yeah. chill. Maya. But fun fact about Remus Lupin. So he's actually behind one of our uh, legends that we kind of get introduced to in Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, so because on his monthly transformations, uh, obviously the marauders would sneak away together into the night and it, their pals or, well, Remus's pals would help him out with his transformations. It was obviously a very super painful process, very violent. So they'd go to the shrieking shack where he would let out his howls and his screams in that like really confined space. But the noise was still so loud, people could hear it from miles and miles away. So they just determined that there were like evil wild spirits in the shack. And that's where the legend, the namesake of the Shrieking Shack came from. Which is super cool. Isn't that weird? Because they still call it the Shrieking Shrieking Shack. Shack, And everybody's so afraid of it. Like when Harry's there. Exactly. So it definitely stuck around. Yeah. So it's solely because of Remus Lupin and his transformations. Yes. One, I know that there's like an article that says like when those things started to come out and people started like gossiping about it, like Dumbledore really encouraged it. They, yes. He was like, yeah, like there's spirits in there, bro. It's crazy. Yeah, to help yeah. people stay away because that's yeah. how they were kept safe. Yeah. Yeah. So um, after Hogwarts, like they pretty much all of them joined the order like immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but so now we, like let's think about it, which you kind of touched about it before. Like he lost Lonely and James, but then he thinks he loses Peter. And then Sirius, he thinks, is a murderer. So he literally went from his whole childhood up until Hogwarts feeling super sad and lonely, having a whole, like a, the best group of friends you could ever imagine, then boom, joins the order, like Voldemort is rising to power, and it's all gone again. 
And at some point, also, too, his parents also pass away. Yeah. His yes. parents aren't around either. Um, his mom passed away first, and then his dad was around for a while, and then eventually yes. his dad passes away. See, so. But he's even lonely because, like, he doesn't want to move in with his dad at one point. Yes. Like, after the whole, like, Voldemort thing or whatever, because... He doesn't want people to like put two and two together and like put the stigma on his dad as well. Oh my God. Even though his dad was like, you know, I still love you, bro. Like he would go and visit, but he would like refuse to live with his father. It's like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. So. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm full the of puns. today. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm really good at dad jokes. So after Lady V was quote unquote defeated the first time, which is when he tries to call Harry and fails. Um, that's when, like, his mom had already died. Like, that's the timeline. Okay. And, like, all he has is his father. But um, he eventually just starts taking, like, jobs here and there that are really underpaid and are really, like, awkward and he won't be around for a while. And he basically starts to live this nomadic life going from place to place. Mm-hmm. And so the first time that he appears in the literature is Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. And I literally said, God, this book slash movie gave us so much. Thank you, Alfonso. And then I put like 10 million <laughs> exclamation <laughs> marks after that. Uh, but yeah, so he appears as a shabby stranger that's sitting in Harry's compartment on Ugh. the train to Hogwarts. I'm... Is um, it ever confirmed that he was placed on the train as like quote-unquote protection for harry or just because like he just didn't know how to get to hogwarts other than using the train i think it was probably part of the nomadic life yeah i think the train is the easiest way to get there you can't apparate there you can apparate to like hogsmeade Hogsmeade. and like walk i guess i don't know but maybe he wanted to take the train I i don't know i think it i think it was like a protection thing i have a theory shoot hey whoa this is a sad theory. Aww. I don't want to do it then. <laughs> what if he wanted to take the train? To see Harry? To meet him? No. Well, that's sad too. That's sad too. But what if he took the train and he went into the cabin that he would go into with his pals oh, to go into school? God. That's really sad. That's a really sad theory. And then he meets Harry. And then he meets Harry Ugh. in that sad cabin. This is the saddest. <laughs> We're going to have to pep it up. Listen, J.K. Oh Rowling, if that's not the theory, I, that needs to be it. I'm that sorry. You can take it and claim it as your own, but oh I think that's God. just a great opportunity <laughs> that really cannot be missed. I really when we talk to this woman, like if she listens to She does. <laughs> so uh, he basically defends everyone against the Dementor attack on the train, and he gives Harry chocolate, which Madame Pomfrey is like, finally, somebody who's competent. Yeah. Um, his teaching skills are fire. Yes. And he takes to both Harry and Neville. So we know that, like, Sirius likes to take to the underdog. Like, he took to Peter Pettigrew. He's taking to Neville Longbottom. Serious? You said serious. Oh, I meant Remus. Jesus. <laughs> so, She's got serious on the mind. I do. So he starts his first lesson with, like, a practical lesson. He's like, put away your books. You're going to need your wands. Well, that's immediately when I was like, I like this dude. Yeah, he's awesome i want but him also as my think teacher. about umbridge and she's like put away your wands all you need is books anyways i'm sorry that i mentioned that to you i'm sorry so, i am giving jenny a look all the kids are shook that was my note <laughs> uh he walks them to like the what is it like the staff room or whatever like the office yeah where there's a bog art hiding in like an old cabinet um <laughs> i wrote but like on the way they run into peeves and he like handles peeves like a bad a 
And I literally wrote in my notes because he's not a regular mom. He's a cool mom. He's so cool. Like, I feel like he's one of those, like, I mean, because I won't say, like, the hot young teacher because Remus looked, like, very, like, haggard and worn. Yeah. But I can definitely see him as someone, like, the hot, young, cool male teacher that, like, everyone was like, whoa, you're doing everything different. You're so cool. Like, oh, my God, did you hear what this, what he did today? Can I call you Remus? Can I call you Remus, mister? (laughs) I just think he was, like, he was the best defense against the dark arts teacher. Whoa. I mean, the lesson no, hands down. Like, well, but I'm saying, like, coming from Marianne, do you think that he was better than Barty Crouch Jr.? Oh, stop it, though. <laughs> you bring yes, me a position, though. but he was. He yes, was. in every way, he was. Like Barty Crouch Jr. was Barty Crouch Jr. He was a freaking serial killer, sociopath. Sci- <laughs> well, not sociopath, psychopath. Like, guy. You get what I'm Marianne saying? Marianne is always very clear. I was just about to say. <laughs> about whether there, it's a sociopath or a psychopath. There's a difference. I know there is. I'm just, I'm very proud of you. Like, you're always very clear about it. I have to, right? There is no doubt in your mind. I'm educated. But yeah, so it's just Remus Lupin is the best because he is the best. I like, think that that class, like the first one where they do the bogart, is super cool because yeah. it's like, I mean, it's fun. Like, he's getting the kids to have fun. But he's getting them to laugh in the face of, like, their biggest fears. Fear, which is, like, like a, such an important life lesson, too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's also super supportive with Harry about, like, the Dementors. He's like, listen, dude, your life is tragic. Like, they have a lot to feed on, okay? And, and it gives them extra attention, like, to help him out outside yeah. of, and like, it's the like, school classes. This is the dude that teaches Harry how to form, like, his Patronus. Like, how to cast that. Can I just say, At the age though, of 13. That is, like, an invaluable lesson. Mm-hmm. Can I just say that the students at Hogwarts are trash because they make fun of Harry for, like, passing out with the Dementors. I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Were your parents killed right in front of you well, when you were an infant? Well, it's probably they don't like, understand it either. Like, I don't think that they all know at the beginning, like, what Dementors do. I'm sorry, but the ones coming from wizarding families should. should. I don't know. You never know, girl. They definitely should. But I would also... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, why does it take Lupin so long to tell Harry that he knew his parents? Yeah, that is something I never really understood. Really? Yeah. Like, why would he... Why why would he hide that? I think think it's his internal guilt. I think it's internal guilt, one, but I also... Like, I wouldn't want this kid asking me questions because he must be so beat up over it and so sad about it. That Harry asking questions and spending that kind of time with him would just make him relive it. I guess. I can so see that. He's already like spending selfish, you know? a lot of time with Harry anyway. But I'm saying like the time, like it's different if I'm sitting here with you, like having a cup of tea and talking about like hinky punks rather than we're sitting together and you're like, what was my mom like? What was my dad like? How are you guys friends? Like you're being forced to relive like your happiest memories and then knowing that they turned out so horribly. I'm sorry, yeah. but that's extremely selfish of him if that is the case. He can be selfish sometimes though. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm about to go on a rant soon. Oh my God. I would, I would, I would say maybe in like his defense, because he did feel that guilt, he just needed some time to kind of open up that part of his life to him. Like it, it couldn't be an immediate like, oh, oh, by the way, I knew your, I was best friends with your dad kind of deal. Cause, 
But I think it also gave Harry a chance to, like, trust him on his own. Not yeah. just because he knew my mother and he knew my father. Like, this is just a separate entity that we know at the beginning. And he starts to kind of trust him because of other reasons. It yeah. could also just be for plot device, man. Like, that is also very because true. When he, <laughs> plot device. Because when he does tell Harry, it's a very beautiful, dramatic moment. Yeah. And then, luckily enough, because of Afonso, because he's beautiful. It's all, it, it takes place on the Hogwarts Bridge. I oh, mean, God bless. I literally quoted Remus Lupin. And it was it's on my caption when I took a picture on the Hogwarts Bridge and posted yeah. it on Instagram. It's a Remus Lupin, Remus Lupin quote. Goodbye. So love it. So, Beautiful moment. Um, we also need to thank Remus because in the scene of the shrieking track, Sirius Black is doing a horrible job, like yeah. a horrible job at explaining what his plan is to the children. He just sounds like a crazy He's man. He's just like, let me murder you, Ron Weasley. <laughs> so let finally, like, you, Remus comes in and he's like, dude. Relax. Why don't we explain some stuff? <laughs> Take a chill pill. But sit back. Basically, he puts two and two together and he figures out that Sirius may be innocent, which is why he wants Sirius to kind of like recount the story so that it could be hashtag confirmed. Um, but after all of this stuff is happening inside the Shrieking Shack, they're like ready to leave. Like everything is figured out. Everybody's going to be happy. Psych. It's a full moon. And he didn't take his Wolfsbane potion, which is horrendously irresponsible. But, um, he turns into a werewolf and is missing for like a large portion of the end of that book where they're like yeah. going back in time and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, but Snape tells everybody that he's a werewolf and he's so forced rude. to resign because Snape is trash. Jenny's just, just like yelling at my face right I now. I am yelling at your face. And in the notes, I literally wrote at Marianne. And then like, I put I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Like, like Lupin Get never did it. anything to Snape. Like Lupin was really the one that was like, kind of like guys, you know, like don't do that. You yeah. Know? I mean, he didn't stand up to his friends all the time, which is, I mean, it's understandable. Like it happens when you're teenagers, whatever. Yeah. But, but he at least he wasn't like some of the time like, bullying him either. Snape is rude. He is. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this back up when we do the Snape episode. I'm getting mad. I can't even look at you right now. Okay. <laughs> That's the end of book three. We're starting book four. Woo. I'm keeping my I keeping my comments for the episode. Um he doesn't really appear so much in book four other than um like when Dumbledore is like serious, like tell the old crowd or whatever, and he's like name dropping and he says Lupin. That's pretty much it. For like the order. <laughs> Yeah, and then, like, Sirius stays at Lupin's house, we know. Like, he's instructed by Dumbledore to stay there. Literally, that's it. That's book four. Moving on to book five. Yeah. That was quick. Yeah. Well, um, Lupin Mm. is at the beginning of the book where he's part of the guard that escorts Harry from the Dursleys to Grimald Place. See. So I feel like we no longer get, like, that camaraderie between Harry and and Remus. And we could have. But he kind of, he's almost, like, relegated to be, like, the side character that kind of, like, pokes in and out. Mm-hmm. And I always, serious. I don't know, like, yeah. I thought that it would always be, like, Sirius and Remus together. Yeah. Because, I mean, Sirius is crazy, and he's reckless, and he's the one that's giving all this, like, advice and, like, taking care of this kid and, like, being a godfather or whatever. But I'm like, Remus could have obviously participated. Like, you guys were BFFs, and he obviously loves Harry, and Harry obviously trusts him. So I felt like we could have included him more. But I think it's... It's, it's Remus's depression, honestly. Yeah, that came yeah. Away. yeah. But yeah. I figured that he would spend a lot of time at Grimald Place, like, with Sirius. It's, again, but, his depression. Like, he spent so many years away from Sirius that, like, to rebuild that friendship, even though technically he found out that, like, Sirius wasn't, you know, in, in the wrong 
it's still 12 years 13 it's years still 12 passed. years and like we always we have to remember that lupin is clinically depressed like he is Dude, not yes. on the appropriate medication he is not <laughs> getting appropriate counseling for his mental health issues and it affects him severely to the yeah. point where like here he finally can have a relationship with his best friend's son and he's deciding to not be as present because yeah. he feels like his presence is hindering him. You should honestly, if you want to cry and you want to get more in depth about these things, just hop on the Wizarding World, type in Remus Lupin and just cry. So, um, basically the next time that we see him in that book, that something really happens with Lupin is when he's literally having to hold Harry back. So he won't go towards the arch, like running after Sirius. Oh, oh man. I know. So what's like, incredibly sad is that he's just surrounded by like all of this loss and he literally just had to watch his last friend die who he had literally just found out wasn't filth like he thought and then he has to physically restrain harry from like running after him that's like super tragic i just keep on reliving that scene in the movie (sighs) over and over again and i'm gonna keep on requesting for that audio from no oh so moving on to the half-blood prince he's like kind of like in and out like he pops in he pops out pops in pops out he's kind of everywhere uh, but he's really starting to look stressed, like physically, when he's described in the book. He's described as gaunt and grim. Gaunt, like the gaunts. Yeah, but also gaunt is the word that they used to describe <laughs> Sirius. And they're literally describing him as gaunt and grim. Yep. Yep. The irony is lost on me. <laughs> um, so we know now, like looking back, that he's he's like really stressed out because he's falling in love with Tonks. And he's really, really stressed about it because he's either stressed about it because he's a werewolf and he's going to ruin her life or he's stressed about it because he's being selfish and he's being with her and that's bad. So either way you slice or dice it, this guy is stressed. So um, he's also like a really fair person, which we see in this book at the holidays when Harry is like, I think Snape's up to something with Malfoy. Like, I think he's doing bad stuff. And Remus is like, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, that may not be true. So I thought that was very big of him. Even especially because this is the guy who ratted him out at Hogwarts and cost him his job. Yes. So I think it's at some point, and it's really kind of sad that this timeline isn't, like, super clear, but at some point, I think, in this book is when he marries Tonks. They have, like, a secret yes. little, like, small wedding. Um, and then we get Deathly Hallows. And... <laughs> I wrote that in Deathly Hallows. <laughs> Harry and his friends are on the lamb. And I did that special for Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, Lupin appears at the beginning in the flight of the seven potters. He's there to like, you know, be one of the peeps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we see him at Grimald Place like after he has learned that Tonks is pregnant. <laughs> All right. This is where I'm going to. Is gonna, this a rant? Yeah. Yeah. where I'm going to go into a rant. So I'm sure you all remember Remus being stupid, stupid in this whole part. And I'm just going to give like a brief summary for those who might not remember the, the extent of his stupidity. All right. All right. This is why I said I have problems with four of the four. I had no problems with Remus until this point. Okay. So. He's 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 there and, and he's talking about how he's 
ashamed and scared of like Tonks being pregnant. And he's basically like, let me go on your adventures, Harry. Like, let me join you. Let me help you. And then Harry like calls him out on his BS. I am trying really hard not to curse here. And he's literally like, I'm pretty sure my father would have wanted to know why you aren't sticking with your own kid. And like Lupin is trying to like brush it off. He's like, well, you know, like, like, don't you understand what I've done to like Tonks and my unborn child? I should have never married her. And he goes on to like this ramble. And I understand. I understand it's his depression. I do. But he basically is just saying like, I screwed Tonks over. I screwed my child over. They are both better without me. And, like, this is definitely a part where, like, suicide watch alert, trigger warning for everyone out there. Like, you know, that this is, this is a problem. Like, he, sh- he shouldn't be having these thoughts. But I love that Harry, like, definitely, like, basically, metaphorically kicked him in the balls to get his act together and like being like, no, you are stupid. You have people who love you. He had like that, that talk with him, what I like to call like the come to Jesus moment being like, you have a child, you have a wife, you have people who love and support you. Your child is going to be fine. Okay. He needs his father. But I have a thing that I want to say. If this was his like main concern, was the child. Does the wizarding world like not have contraception? Like you could have just married this girl. Would have been her decision. Would have been the only person you were affecting. You literally did not have to have a baby. Well, you know, I don't know if it like it's the same in the in the wizarding world, but contraceptive isn't always effective. Only abstinence is 100% effective. But she could also just like uh, got her uterus taken out. Would have been fine. It's I magic. Mean, I feel like, you know, it's literally fighting, magic fighting Voldemort had other like pressing issues. I mean, and, I you guess know, like people, I guess <laughs> I'm going to turn a little gross. People turn into jackrabbits when like the end of the world is upon them. That's true. It's like the, you know, what, what did they call that? The baby boom? Baby. Yeah. Boomers? Yeah. Baby boom. We're saying it's a thing in the U.S. Look it up. Yeah. I call it the going out of business sale. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what? I'm dead. But yeah, so this altercation was like, I was like, when I read it, I was like, whoa. But honestly, Remus needed that person to finally be like so upfront with him. I mean, I guess, but I mean, I guess we got lucky that it worked out the way that it did. Yeah. And like, I do apologize. Like I didn't put the trigger warning before I said yeah. like everything. I do apologize if like I, I cause any issues with any of our listeners. I'm really apologetic. You know, suicide is a very serious topic. If you are having any of these thoughts, please go get help. Please tell your loved ones. There is always another option. And we love you. So if you need us, we are here. Reach out to us. Yeah. So just needed to put that out there. We hope that we are your light. Hey, that's so cute. Um, so after this fight, like Remus responds with actual violence. And he like whips out his wand and i don't know what he does it's a jinx it's a spell it's a curse i don't know but he throws harry against the wall basically and he like storms out um and then we find out not from the books but from stuff that jk is giving us he like went to the leaky cauldron and like drank a bunch and he was like fuming about it and then he was like actually harry's right <laughs> thank and he goodness went back to tonks 
and um was basically like i'm so sorry that i did that like please take me back i'll never do it again and so he stopped taking like more dangerous missions and he kind of started um like hanging back and spending time with her I would just like to say I'm just also really proud of Harry for doing that. That's a very like, nature I, moment. Uh, uh, you don't think so? You don't think James would have done the same thing? No, oh, I yes. do, but I just think that the way that Harry went about it was super poor. I th- Like the words that he was using and like calling Remus a coward and saying that his kid should be ashamed of him because of how he's behaving and stuff like that. Like the way that he said okay. it was not okay. But he's but a like, kid. Yeah. And think and okay. think of like Congrats. Harry's background. Like he was I forced to not it. have I'm his not dad. I'm not saying that I understand it because after he leaves, like he gets chastised by Ron and Hermione. And he's like, like, bro, like you shouldn't have talked to Lupin like that. And he's like, parents should never leave their kids unless they have to. Like, I know where he's coming from, but the way that he said it to Lupin, like, there was, like, other ways. But he doesn't know that because he's a kid. He's learning how to communicate Okay, well, I'm going to hold him accountable because when I was 17, I would have never spoken to anybody like that. Oh, I would have if I was mad enough. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I yeah. probably still would if I was mad enough. I don't know. I when just I lose my really temper harsh, in that like, way. Somebody that he, I don't know, whatever. I think it just it depends on like how you were brought up, if you were taught yeah, like to I think about I'm your actions be beforehand. You guys because sometimes when I get pissy, I get like that too. <laughs> so I guess I take it back. The truth comes out, Jenny. Blah blah blah. Just I only say that just because I work with teenagers all the time. Like yeah. that's primarily who I work with twenty four seven. Yeah. And I know I especially after three years with working with them, I cannot take everything they say to heart yeah. personally like they just sometimes the way they say it the tone whatever they just don't know how they're saying it but it's my job to be like hey stop and think for a second listen to yourself and how you're saying that and think about how i would feel yeah. and if you actually want something done think about how effectively to get that done and then they're like oh okay that, yeah that makes oh sense whoa wow um so yeah so the next time that we see lupin is actually once the baby was born Wow. Yay. Yay. This is when I'm going to start getting depressed. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to skim right through it. So I think Teddy. this is like, I don't know. This is probably the first time that we see Lupin like actually happy in the books. Yeah. Oh, man. I can't look at Elizabeth when I talk about it. Don't you cry because we've already lost her. No. Oh, my God. Stop it. No, here. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. He names Harry the Godfather. Nah. Which I was like, oh, that's cute. And that's very nice. It's like, because, you know, they never really like talked about their issues, I guess. So the next time that we see him is the Battle of Hogwarts. And we obviously know that that does not end well for him. So I literally wrote in the notes, I'm too sad. I don't want to continue. So basically, Lupin dies like super tragically at the Battle of Hogwarts. R.I.P. Um, and he meets his end. I didn't know this until today or I didn't remember it. But Antonin Dolahov is the guy who kills him. Mm-hmm. So basically what happened is that because Tonks was pregnant... And he was taking, like, less dangerous jobs and stuff like that. Like, he wasn't dueling as much as he used to. So he got, like, a lot slower. And he kind of was, like, not as great as he would have been had he been, like, practicing. But Dolahov, on the other hand, was obviously, like, on the rise with Voldemort. And he was, like, killing people left and right. So he was just, like, too fast for him, really, in the end. And, like, Lupin's reactions were too slow. Um, also super sad. I'm so sorry, Elizabeth, but it's really unclear if Tonks ever finds him. Like after she comes oh through. God. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have Why? said it. I shouldn't have said it. 
Uh, but basically, like, she comes through, like, through a requirement. And, like, and I know in the movie, like, they end up together. Nice. But, um, like, in the book, I mean, they could have. We just don't know because she doesn't say anything. I'm, like, I can't. So, we're done, we're done, we're done, we're done, we're done. It's all, it's all happy and sunshine and rainbows, except it's not. So, he is awarded, <laughs> <laughs> he is posthumously awarded the Order of Merlin, Merlin, First class, which is the first werewolf ever to be accorded that honor. So the example of his life and death did much to lift the stigma on werewolves, and he was never forgotten by anyone who knew him. He was a brave, kind man who did the best he could in very difficult circumstances, and he helped many more than he ever realized. Um, So... J.K. Ra- oh my no. gosh, she is really, she is like Elizabeth. so, in- don't look at her, don't look at her. Uh. She's like super into it right now, bro. So Remus Lupin, um, this is like J.K. Rowling writing, was like one of her favorite characters in the entire Potter series, which I feel like, I mean, like she wrote it, like that's like a big honor. But um, she said that she made herself cry all over again while writing this entry because she hated killing him. Which, God. you know, just makes me mad when she says stuff like that. Because I'm like, well, then maybe don't kill them. But whatever. I like the story. I, I know. Everyone <laughs> has to die at some point. Okay. <laughs> I'm so... You guys are so mopey. <laughs> so, Lupin's I'm condition... I'm sorry, everyone. I already hear a lot of sniffles. Oh, my God. Lord, <laughs> Lord help us. So, <laughs> she also writes, Lupin's condition of lycanthropy being a werewolf was a metaphor for those illnesses that carry a stigma like HIV and AIDS. All kinds of superstitions seem to surround blood-borne conditions, probably due to taboos surrounding blood itself. The wizarding community is prone to hysteria and prejudice, as the muggle one is as well. And the character of Lupin gave me a chance to examine those attitudes. Oh, God. And now we're done with Remus Lupin, and we can be happy again. Yay! The Marauders are so depressing. I'm yes. so sorry. You know, I didn't really realize that when we were, like, talking about, like, an episode list. <laughs> this is, like, really sad. Like, but- I'm so sorry, everyone, but, like, everyone dies. <laughs> this baby is a baby. I was on his parents. Oh, oh, my, my God. God. Stop it. I am literally not going to cry. But it makes me so sad because then Teddy Lupin We've, just like okay, grows this up is like stop, like, his father. No, no, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. This is happy time now. We did the sad time. You're still doing sad time over there. Stop doing the almost sad time. Stop it. <laughs> so then I, I, <laughs> Jenny is really trying to save us. I'm really trying because if I was a listener, I would have turned us off a long time ago. But I, I just want to say that the reason why we didn't realize... I'm afraid of what you're going to say. <laughs> no. It, it, the reason why we didn't realize this was going to be so sad is because we choose, even with Peter Pettigrew stuck <laughs> in the mix, we choose to remember the happy times of the Marauders well, and the greatest parts of it's them. It's also like she didn't really give us a lot of the Marauders, so we like crave... Like the young marauders, like when they were in school, what yes. they were doing, when they were all friends. I mean, even the name itself is very the marauders. Yeah. They're like conquering the world together. Yeah, it's I just agree. it's something that's really beautiful and, so, and something you would want yeah, in a friendship. Can we get happy? When I was writing this episode and I ended on Lupin, I was like, oh my god, this is terribly depressing. So I added a section on the Marauders map. Yeah, I mean we are talking about them. So I know. So um. 
It's actually, it's my favorite artifact from all the series. Wow. Yes. Oh my, I'm oh. dying to have like my own copy of the Marauders map. Me I'm too. patiently waiting. So if anyone has any gift ideas for me in the future, <laughs> it's a little expensive. It's like 30 bucks, I think. Yeah, but I want it like it's like, a case. Yeah. I don't want it just like loose. There's like a pretty case where it can be displayed like with all the folds. Oh, man, I didn't know that. Now you're, like, messing with my bank account. Yeah, it's but really I, bad. I really want a copy of it so, so bad. Um, So, obviously created by, I love that it says, like, Messers, Mooney, Wormtail, Packard, and Bronx. And if like, you, Messers, like, they mess with everyone. Ba, ba, ba. And if you notice, that order, if you go backwards, is the order of their deaths. What the? Who You've never seen you? that before? No. no. Yes. So the order backwards is the order of their deaths. Oh, my gosh. James, then Sirius, then Peter, then Lupin. Oh, my gosh. My, uh, we are yes. blowing our minds <sighs> and yours. Isn't that crazy? I doubt she did that on purpose. Are you sure? Because oh, we say that on. a lot. And then there's a lot of coincidences. This lady literally planned out every single thing in those books. Okay, but again, how okay. much of it is her planned or her just being like, oh, yeah, I totally believe that. I would say that this one was more likely to be planned. That I means she would have had to know the order that the they order were dying. Of their dying. Yeah. That's not like a crazy. That Well, it's true because she, she was. She definitely knew that James was going to die first. Well, yeah. I, Yes. So that was figured out. I feel like James and Sirius were figured out, but who knows? Maybe Wormtail. Maybe she decided at the last minute Lupin wasn't going to die. Well, she was debating whether Lupin was going to die or not. Yeah. Yeah. So. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I would have said that that one was like more likely. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. I'll I'll give that one to her. Fine. Uh, so basically, uh, the map is like a lasting testimony to the advanced magical ability of the four friends, um, who included, obviously, James, Sirius, um, Lupin, and Peter Pettigrew. So the map they created during their time at Hogwarts appears to be a blank piece of parchment unless it's activated by the phrase, I solemnly swear I, I am up, up to, to no good. good. Boom. It's a phrase that in the case of the three four the three of the four makers should be understood as a joke. But obviously Peter Pettigrew is really up to no good. Ooh, <laughs> shade. Boom. <laughs> um, but it was just kind of like a what do you call that? Oh man. A litter like a nod. It was like a nod oh, to okay. um like their rule breaking at school, not like the dark arts yeah. or anything. Yeah. <clears throat> But the magic used in the map's creation is advanced and impressive, and it includes, and I was really happy that we were able to, like, actually find the magic. It's yes. Really, it includes the homunculus charm, which is enabling the possessor of the map to track the movements of every person in the castle, and it is also enchanted to forever repel, as insultingly as possible, the curiosity of their nemesis, Severus Snape. But I love that they took the time I know. to just... Put, oh, we want to repel Snape for I the know. rest of his life. It's amazing. In the most insulting way possible. It's talk about bitter. Talk about petty. But that I thought, is such like, a teenager thing to do. You're like reading the book or like watching the movie and it's insulting Snape. 
it's like Lupin kind of explains it. He's like, oh, I think it just insults like whoever's holding it or whatever. But I think it's only Snape that yeah, it insults. Like I think anybody is, else could pick it up and it'd be like it would just say nothing. I think it just, just insults it, him. Yes, I think they it's took amazing. the time <laughs> to just have it insult. It's Snape. just so amazing. You know, what I think was behind that one. Serious. serious oh 100%. for sure 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 
horses are unnatural. And that's it for today's episode. Uh-huh. Follow us on social media. You can follow us on Instagram at the three broom chicks. You can also follow us on Twitter at the number three broom chicks. And go like our Facebook page, the three broom chicks. Yeah. Catch us next time, everyone, where <laughs> we're going to do another big episode honoring <laughs> Jenny's birthday, apparently. <laughs> We, we are talking about her other love. Well, really, his family. That's true. Yeah. We are talking all about the Weasleys. I'm wow. So the Yeah. So this should be a much happier episode than this one. I think so. So stay tuned. Much, it's got to be way happier than this I one, mean, Jenny. It's, it's going to be way happier. There will be sad moments. I mean, yeah, but yes. this is going to be But we already way... cried for Fred, so we can't do it again. Oh, it's going to happen again. I'm just warning you. Mm, well, as always, remember that we are the Three Broom, broom chicks. chicks. And consider the mischief managed. Mm-hmm.